right, welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Coming up, episode 63, underway, our Super Bowl special. Connor Larson and, and, and I are back to do our NFL analysis, some previews for the big game coming up. But before we get too far into it, Connor, welcome back to the podcast, buddy. Hey, what's popping, Benny? What's popping, man? Good to see your pretty face. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to this big game, man. And we got some great analysis and just the reverberating theme that I kept coming across while you know preparing for this episode was just how great this game seems to stack up on paper. I'm really looking forward to you know what how this is gonna play out because on paper this this game looks very close and and very competitive. Some very interesting narratives that we'll go over. Um, we're gonna touch on some prop bets we like, and we're gonna touch on a lot of the different X factors to look for during this big matchup. And then we'll touch on some DFS selections for anybody looking to play some DraftKings or FanDuel lineups um, on Sunday. But Connor, there's been a lot. There's a lot been going on in the sports world. We're gonna touch on. We're gonna we're gonna keep this episode to strictly football. Um, and let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the NFL um, because I don't know how you could talk about football without touching on some of the big stuff that's been going on in the league because it's like can we just wait to the offseason like can we can we not make trades and like have all this offseason buzz before the Super Bowl is even played out like we got the the Stafford uh and Jared Goff trade with the Rams and the, the Lions and and then we also have the the uh, the narrative the storyline with Deshaun Watson um and it seems like a, a pending trade or an impending trade is inevitable at this point because of the threat of him, you know, saying saying that he might sit out games or he might sit out until he's traded. So, Connor, where do you want to start? Which one you want? To, which one do you have a, a, an opinion you want to share with first? Well, let's start off with the trade that's actually happened. I think that makes sense to evaluate first. So, we had Jared Goff for Matt Stafford, a couple of first rounders, and I think it was a third. Um, I mean, quite a haul when you consider that the Rams are taking on the older player in this situation and 33. they're the 33. ones giving up a ton of contracts. And it's not like Matt Stafford has, has had a really lightly used and injury free career. I mean, this guy has broken his back on multiple occasions, literally. And I think the video that's circulating right now is, is one where he snaps his collarbone and remains in the game. I don't yeah, know I if this that. is the quarterback where I'm willing to stake my entire organization's reputation on and give up the future, considering they're giving up even more draft picks, um, a team that's been without a first-round draft pick since Jared Goff. Yeah. Um, so they're taking that? on the older they're, they're player, and, and they're risking it all. They're not going to have a first-round draft pick until, I think, what, 2024? Is that what it is? Twenty another two another two drafts ahead without no first round with no first round pick, right? For the Rams? Yeah, they, they gave up a couple for Jalen Ramsey and so they're really just going all in and on the next Brandon couple Cooks. of years. And Brandon gave up one for him. I mean, do you really think that Matt Stafford is is in the upper echelon of quarterbacks anymore at this stage of his career? I, I tend not to think so based on the wear on his tires. And I don't know if I would have given up quite that same haul. Uh, Jared Goff has shown some promise in development. I don't think he was the savior, but by no means would I, I risk my organization like this. Now, they have a scary defense. They're definitely the best defense in the league, in my opinion. Um, and a lot of the metrics would point to that. So I do think it makes sense to give it what you can with this offense. 
but I just don't think it's really going to be enough for them to contend for a Super Bowl. And I really think that they're setting their team back a few years um, going out once Stafford retires because I don't think it's a guy you want to have on your team for the next five. I don't think he's going to have that Tom Brady longevity. By no means is he had nearly the same focus on health and fitness and had the same um, injury history. I feel you. And I I understand your take. And I, 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 part of me feels the same uh, same way, but you know I'm I'm a little op- more optimistic about Stafford and his ability to come into Los Angeles and perform at a high level. I mean, talent wise, there's no question he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, talent wise, he's easily a top ten, easily. Almost everybody, if you if you, you make all else equal, all else everybody's healthy, and you just talk about who's the most talented quarterback in the NFL. I, I, you have to have Matt Stafford in your top ten. I don't. If if you don't, you're probably wrong. And the the big X factor, obviously, and you touched on it, is the the, the health. And he's had loads of injuries throughout his career. The guy, the thing with that though is his ability to play through the injuries. And so, I mean, it's not necessarily something something you want to bank on. You don't want to bank on someone having to play through a broken collarbone or a broken back. Like that's not that's that's severe stuff, you know. And he and he's done it all. And the guy is quite the bulldog. I mean, dating back to his days with Georgia, he had some injuries there. And the guy just is a gamer, and he and he plays the win. And I talked about it earlier this season on a podcast. I remember touching on Matt Stafford and saying, you know, the guy's so talented that it's a shame that we haven't seen him play in more competitive games throughout his career. And so that's what I'm most excited about with this trait is – we get to see Matt Stafford, you know, show his stuff. We're going to get to see him. There's no excuses now. You're, Detroit was bad for a long time. You didn't make the playoffs. Did he make the playoffs at all throughout his career? I don't mean, I don't think he has. And He did make the playoffs. He hasn't won a playoff game, though. Okay. So he hasn't won a playoff game. And now if the Rams don't make the playoffs, it's a disappointment. So I think that the, what the Rams are thinking, obviously, is they're going all in. They're pushing their, their all their cards onto the table. Their, all their chips are in the middle of the table now. And... You know, they got Jalen Ramsey, who's in their in his prime. You got Aaron Donald in his prime. You got Cam Akers, a, a young running back, a blossoming. You have a good offensive line. You have wide receivers who are, I mean, that's two, that the Robert Woods, uh, uh, Cooper Cup wide receiver tandem is two, one of the best duos, wide receiver duos in the league. I mean, you put, you put them right alongside like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Adam Thielen and and uh, Justin Jefferson, who am I missing? There's a lot of there's a lot of good ones out there. Julio and Calvin. Julio and Calvin. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of good tandems out there, but Robert Woods and Cooper Cup have to be considered amongst those top tier, you know, tandems. And so now St- Stafford has, you know, the weapons to to succeed on offense, and we'll see if he could do it. And hopefully the offensive line can protect him well enough to keep him healthy long enough to make a, a playoff run. It'll be interesting to see how this affects the Rams going forward. Like you said, their future, it, it's mortgaged on the on the present. And we'll see if they're able to, you know, they made the Super Bowl against the Patriots two years ago. They're, they were a good team again this year, but it, it seemed like Jared Goff was the odd man out, the guy that was holding them back. And I know he, he played he played pretty well against the Packers and when they lost, and that, that loss wasn't completely his fault. But you could see at the end, man, uh, McVay, he gave up on him. He gave up on him. He he's like, man, I cannot, I cannot have this guy leading my offense and and complete what I want to do on offense. Like McVay is such a, an offensive genius that he probably has you know half of his playbook or his half of his play ideas for his offensive attack that he would like to do. Half of them probably get crossed out when you say Jared Goff is my quarterback. 
So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he opens up the playbook now, if there's more available to him, if, if the Rams get even more creative on offense. And I, I hopefully it's a it's a fun occurrence. Um, I also kind of like the, the move for Goff going to Detroit. He's got a chip on his shoulder now. You know, he he had he had the starting gig starting gig handed to him in, in in Los Angeles. He had you know he was the first overall pick. He had the pedigree of that. He had you know everybody in his corner from the start. You know you you draft the guy first overall, especially your quarterback in the NFL. You gotta you gotta invest in him. You gotta bank on him being the guy. You can't you can't draft the guy first overall and quickly you know decide you know he's not our guy. You have to you invested a lot in them. And you pay, and they were paying him, you know, a lot. So it's it's nice to get out from under that contract, and we'll see how how it turns out. Hopefully, you know, it's it's a beneficial trade for both sides. I, I think that the uh, the the Rams should be a fun team next year. Hopefully, uh, the you know that NFC the NFC West man just keeps getting more competitive. Yeah, I mean, my my opinion is purely on the logistics of the trade and whether I think a team got a better deal or not. Now, looking at the teams next year, who do I think is better off? I certainly think the Rams are. I th- I think that Stafford is an upgrade. I think they just paid a, a really hefty price to get that guy. Um, well, from my yeah. understanding, was it seems like uh, there were other teams that thought they were they had Stafford. There were there was at least one other team that I heard. And Mike Lombardi did, couldn't reveal his sources and who it was, but he was saying that there was another team that basically thought they had Matt Stafford. They had a trade in agreement, and yeah, the the Rams must have just upped the offer or something. Because well, it, what I was hearing is that Stafford really wanted to end up in L.A. and that was a big thing for him. And not only the city, but you consider the team and the circumstances. You mentioned the wide receiver duo. I don't think there's a more friendly wide receiver duo. Now, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup aren't necessarily the most explosive wide receivers, but absolutely fantastic route runners that are going to be consistently open. And they're great yards after the catch, guys. So they're going to move the chains even in comfortable passing situations. He's not going to have to push it too deep downfield. McVay is going to drop some awesome schemes to get guys open in, in the open field. Tons of playmakers, and you have a defense that's going to keep you in every game. So if you're Matt Stafford and you're evaluating the open quarterback positions, I don't know if there's a better place to land than L.A. if, if I'm him. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It, it'll be fun to see. I, I think that the Rams are, are definitely you know investing – they got they got to make the Super Bowl. They got to win a Super Bowl in the next two years or so. Right. And if they don't, you know, this trade's probably going to be in hindsight a failure or you know a trade that you look back on with a little bit of regret. And yeah, it's going to weigh on them for years after once Matt Stafford's out of the league because they're just going to miss out on that developmental crop of players mm-hmm. that could be the basis of their future. Instead, totally. they're just betting it all now, which is okay. But the thing is, you got to win now too. It's kind of like what Toronto did grabbing Kawhi for a year. You know, you're taking that bet and you're betting that you're going to win now. It worked out for them. Does it work out for the Rams? That that's yet to be seen. I like that. That's not that's not a bad comparison. Um, one thing with Stafford, his wife is coming to L.A. She's got to wear that mask. She's not about the masks in, in Detroit. She was not happy about that. Detroit was rough. Get ready for L.A., man. Right, exactly. <laughs> you you would know better than most. <laughs> yeah, being, being in L.A. Um, Deshaun Watson, the the, uh, the in my opinion, the biggest storyline besides the Super Bowl right now in the NFL. Um, a guy who, in my opinion, is one of the top five most valuable players in the NFL right now. You know, and and that kind of player, that kind of talent, doesn't come available on on the trade market trade market often. And I know we've touched upon this a little bit on some previous football podcasts over the last few weeks, but 
you know, it's coming to a head, it seems like, uh, with Watson. You know, there was a lot of discussion of the uh, the turmoil between the two teams. You know, could they work it out? Because it seems like you got to. I mean, if you're Houston, you have to try to make this work out because you don't trade a guy like Watson. You can't. And it's it's you just a, don't want to. It's interesting that we're seeing this, you know, this culture of that we've seen in the NBA and basketball with players, you know, superstar players are able to control their own destinies like a James Harden and Anthony Davis, Marcus right. Cousins. Same, like, same city, literally, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing that those themes in the NBA and we're starting to see that leak over into the NFL now. And it's interesting to see how it's going to be perceived. I mean, a guy like Dak Prescott might be someone who maybe takes the reins on his future. If, he, if you know, he comes back to Dallas on a, on a franchise tag again next year. If, you know, he had a good if he has a good year next year, you know, who's to say he wouldn't do the same thing with that Deshaun Watson is doing right now. And I'm not saying Dallas has as much, you know, chaos and turmoil within the organization as Houston does, but because clearly Houston has issues. I mean, you have. Did you see the the statements from Andre Johnson, the longtime superstar? Like, is he is he a Hall of Famer, Andre Johnson? He was borderline oh, Hall of Famer. Absolutely, Re- retired number for Houston. Everything, yeah. guys. A and stud. The guy's a Houston, you know, favorite. He's on a Mount Rushmore of Houston athletes, and he he did was he play his whole he was, career there. Yeah, I, I believe he did. And he he was the one saying like, you know, Watson, get your bread, get out of there. You know, they're like they're not going to be helping you. They're not. Right, JJ Watt. Did you see that clip walking yeah. off the field? Like we wasted one of your years. Season? Like, sorry, man. Like we, yeah. it, this organization blew one of your prime years. You should be eleven and five every single season. He literally is an MVP caliber quarterback, and he's just stuck on a team that misused their assets and did not build around him. And it's a complete injustice to do that to a guy who, with that ma- with that amount of talent, you know, mm-hmm. it's like being handed a LeBron James and then just not trying to put anybody else on the team and putting him on an island. It's almost like Bradley Beal in Washington for all those years, where he was just kind of the guy, and he would go off and put up these huge stats but he literally had no supporting cast totally it's it's a shame that he houston has to be ashamed of themselves i mean they just brought in a new gm and um they haven't hired a new head coach yet and they don't know what the direction of their team is going to be why why would a head coach even go there why like it seems like the the biggest the, the only thing that Houston can do with this head coaching vacancy they have is they got to hire a young guy. They got to hire somebody a wild card, you know, a guy maybe like a a, a Lincoln Riley at a at a call um out of Oklahoma or something like that or you know somebody who's just going to be some sort of wild card that could you know just be completely dominant in the way that they think innovatively and the way that they think like in a, in a modern sense a coach that isn't necessarily on everybody's radar like uh, Eric Bieniemy or uh I don't know there's there's been a lot of can- candidates thrown around for Houston I, they I, I, um they hired David Culley oh they did did I miss that when was yep. that uh, I believe yesterday oh okay he was the he was a, a former coach on the Baltimore Ravens <sighs> so boring in a, it, and it doesn't seem oh, like right. it, it's mm. going to change Deshaun Watson's decision yeah. at all. Well, why um, would this? Why would this change his mind? You know, that's... N- nothing about what he's posted on Twitter or social media in in the past, you know, few hours, past past day, has indicated that this decision is going to change his mind in terms of requesting a trade. So, you know, I, it really is kind of a no news. So I'm not even surprised you didn't right? hear Ben because didn't hear it. it's 
it d- doesn't really matter. I mean, this is the type of hire you would expect for a team with with a guy who seems like he's on his way out at quarterback. Um, and there's really a lot of questions up in the air. Now, the message is we're hearing from the organization and the new head coaches, Deshaun Watson's our quarterback until we say otherwise. Well, he ain't going to be playing. It doesn't doesn't sound like you might have a choice. It, you might want to play hardball, but I'm not sure if that's going to get your superstar quarterback back to buying in on a team that's mistreated him for years. You know, you, you can't take a dog that you kicked around and immediately expect it to love you. You got to show it some treats and some love first to get it back and in, in, on the right uh, side and to appreciate it. You know, might be irreparable. That I don't think. Might be irreparable. I really think he needs to go to a new team and just lead lead a new situation and honestly be appreciated the way he deserves as as a top talent and a leader. Yeah. Well, Houston on the bright side with that. I mean, they should have every team as a suitor, basically, as for a trade partner, possible potential trade trade partner. I mean, I've talked about this previously, where there really shouldn't be a limit to what you would be willing to give up for Deshaun Watson. Really, I mean, if you're the Washington Football Team, I, I'm probably going to give up Chase Young for him. If you're, you know, who's another young stud that's in the league? I mean, if you're, if you're, I don't know, I'm 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 drawing a blank in terms of players, but the point is. There's really not a trade package I wouldn't consider for a guy like Deshaun Watson. Because if you're like San Francisco, he's the kind of guy that, you know, I might give up Nick Bosa for. And I know that's a lot to think about. I mean, Nick Bosa being one of the best defensive players in the NFL. he Deshaun Watson is the kind of guy that gets your team to the Super Bowl. And Houston is just, they, they have a guy that they really need to, if they can't repair this relationship, they need to get a haul of picks and at least one or two young premier players uh, on defense or on offense and we'll see what they get we'll see what happens what did you have any thoughts on did you see the brett Favre statements about he was saying how what he was saying yesterday what yeah your thoughts on I, that? I i saw brett Favre and, and dick vermeil made a couple of statements about how you know back in their day you kind of just dealt with the situation you were handed and and you just tried to make the best of it but it, it's it's funny words coming from a guy who retired three different times to be able to switch organizations uh and and you know be able to manipulate the system um so Deshaun Watson just being up front and saying it out loud you know he's not going around and and hiding his true intentions behind uh his different methods to be able to switch teams so so Brett I don't think you really should be (sighs) casting stones in a glass house um I think that we need to empower the players to be able to have a choice and say where they want to live, where they want to play. I mean, the, the system just seems outdated. Yeah. I don't know any other career where they can absolutely force you to play if you want to participate. I don't know any other world where if I wanted to become a financial analyst, there was a financial analyst draft and I could just be drafted to a city that I never wanted to go to and had no connections at. So yeah. I think it's just completely outdated. I think the owners have been set in their ways and been comfortable and they made a shit ton of money taking advantage of players and i think people are starting to recognize this is not the way had real um shut up and dribble vibes from the you know that lebron thing and i don't know it 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 was not a good look for far becoming getting into the news for for the wrong reasons in that interview but i don't know it's hard it's hard to figure out why he would say that because it's like you see where the sport's going now you see 
what athletes are capable of. Now, you, you know, I know back when Favre played, athletes, you know, were just athletes and they didn't really get involved mm-hmm. in much in pop culture, but especially with social media and just the ability for athletes to touch, to, you know, interact with their fans and be, you know, more involved with their communities and just be more interaction with their with the, the fans of the sport and their team and their city. There's a, an ability for these athletes to voice their, you know, their opinions and their feelings on there are social justice issues and community problems and and political things and you know it's their right they have they have a fan base they have people that follow them it's their right to you know use their public their public um perception to voice what they feel is is right and you could like it or not but you i don't i don't think you you're going to win the the argument telling them to shut up and and keep their mouth shut and just you know play the game i don't think you're going to you're going to you know please a lot of people saying that kind of stuff I mean, the fact of the matter is we play in a completely different time period where the social media, the connectivity and the expectations of athletes are completely different from when Brett Favre played as well. So, you know, it, it's can not fair for if, him to cast aspersions in that manner. Can you manner. imagine if Favre played with the social media presence being what it is now? Like all those, am I retiring? I don't know. I'm considering retirement. I, I'm actually, no, I'm back. You know, I'm, I'm out and I'm back. And then you can you imagine how much ridicule yeah. and, you know, how much hate he would get on Twitter for all that kind of stuff, you know? So you're right. He's living in a glass house and he's throwing stones and not the greatest strategy. But to play devil's advocate, um, you know, I do feel bad for the guys who joined the Texans thinking Deshaun Watson was going to yes. be the quarterback. You you feel for a guy like Brandon Cooks who joined last year thinking Deshaun's going to be there for the next few years. And he completely rejuvenated his career. He was cast out of LA, you know, after his concussions and everybody thought he was going to go completely down the tubes and he was one of the uh, an absolute breakout and you know return to dominance as a wide receiver frankly with Deshaun and so you know since situations like that you know in Houston where we had John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins joining a team and then getting completely by a player now Deshaun Watson hasn't said anything negative about his former teammates by any means um, but you do feel bad for the guys who joined the team thinking that okay you know no matter what we have Deshaun Watson as our quarterback we have a chance this year if we get a couple other pieces around us totally and the fans and the fans the guy you know the kids who bought the deshaun watson jerseys and in the rookie cards and yeah. who, and you who know just I, wanted to live their entire career with this guy as their quarterback for 15 years yeah and and i feel for Watt. i mean Watt's one of the most classy and uh, likable players in this sport and someone that you would want to see him you know finish his career strong and on a team that's competing for championships and that's just not going to be the case in houston it's not so yeah We'll see what happens. Um, Connor. Deshaun, rooting for the best man, though. Good yeah, luck to you, man. I just want to see, I want to see Deshaun ball. You know, we it will be the worst case scenario is he stays in Houston and he sits out because no, no one wants that. Nobody wins that. So Let's pair him up with Allen Robinson and get those both guys, <laughs> the quarterback and wide receiver they deserve, you know? Yeah, speak that into existence. Please. Okay, buddy. That's some NFL news. Let's uh, transition into our big topic for the podcast. Our, we got really just one hell of a historic Super Bowl matchup. Super Bowl 55. Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Chiefs are the favorites coming into the Super Bowl matchup. Minus three is the spread. I saw it open up, I think, at three and a half. Chiefs minus three and a half. And it's bet, it been bet down to minus three. The over-under point total I see is at 56 right now. And... This is a, you know, Titan versus Titan type of matchup. This is two teams really just 
hitting their peak of their seasons right now. They're both playing their best football they've played all year at this moment. And we have, let's talk about some of the biggest narratives coming to this game because we have a lot of big themes in this one. And my thoughts were in the conference championship that I didn't really want to see this matchup because I think what it was in my head was, you know, I just didn't want to see the Chiefs roll through everybody again. I don't want to see the Chiefs, you know, just no one want, I mean, it's cool to see a, a, a first, if, if they win it, it would be cool to see a team, another, uh, the first team go back to back since the Tom Brady Patriots did it. And was it? Oh, Oh three, Oh four, I believe. And the, uh, I just, something about that just didn't really resonate with me that I just didn't really want to, it seemed boring. But the thing with the Chiefs is you watch them and they're just such an exciting brand of football. They're just very exciting, very young, very modern. And the biggest narrative for me coming to this game is the storyline between you, uh, the, the offenses for these two teams. I mean, you got Mahomes, who's, you know, possibly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to become. He's a baby goat, you call him. Versus Tom Brady, who is the GOAT. He's, you know, the seasoned veteran, the 43-year-old greatest quarterback of all time. The guy undoubtedly is the greatest player to ever step on a football field, at least when you look at the scope of his accomplishments, what he's been able to do over the course of his 20-plus year career. And a guy who has just been constantly in this spotlight of the NFL stardom and the success. He's just set the standard for success throughout his entire tenure in the NFL. And for me, it's the, that's the ultimate storyline between if, if I had to create a picture of, you know, what this Super Bowl matchup is, it's Brady versus Mahomes, baby goat versus goats, because the winner of this will always have that feather in their cap that they beat the other one. That Tom Brady right. either beat Mahomes, so Tom Brady will always be the GOAT, or Mahomes beat Brady. And then he has the opportunity to flourish throughout his long career, hopefully. It, and it become seems inevitable eventually. at this point, yeah. those comparisons are going to come about. The LeBron exactly. versus Jordan, except LeBron never played Jordan. Right? Imagine, imagine if Jordan played LeBron. That's what, right. this, that's what this is. That's what this is almost. In the Imagine, Super Bowl, you know, in the NBA in championship, the, yeah. right? At the highest of the highest peaks, you know, one one guy obviously different points of their careers, but the fact that we get to witness this is amazing. It's crazy. That's that. I, I'm a, I'm mad at myself that I didn't want this one, this matchup from the start. I think that this is the most fun matchup we could possibly have. And part of it really is the way that both these teams played in the conference championship round. Both these teams played very well. I mean, right. the the Chiefs just absolutely dominated the bills and i wanted i wanted to you know support the underdog buffalo bills last last or two weeks ago and they just they they couldn't keep up with the pedigree and the championship caliber team that the chiefs are and the buccaneers defense really you know shut up that you know historically excellent green bay offense that green, green bay's like we said green bay had the best offense in this in the NFL this year, they had the top-ranked offense, and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense really came to play. And we were talking about that in our handicapping for the game last or two weeks ago. That you know, if we if if Tampa Bay were to win that game, we were going to be talking about a lot of Devin White, talking about a lot of how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense was able to stifle the Rodgers-led Green Bay offense long enough and and, and hard enough for Tom Brady to score enough points with the Bucks offense to, you know, win that game. So 
really both these two teams, like I said, hitting the pinnacle and the peak of their performances throughout the season right now. I mean, Tampa Bay culminating from their week 13 by has, has been going up and up and up really ever since that week 13 by coming off of the, the week 12 loss from Kansas city, they've been excellent. They've been the best team in the NFL, basically scoring the most points in that span since week 14, you know, their defense in this postseason has been elite. You said that the Rams were the best defense in the NFL this year. And I don't know that the Rams ever hit a run this season that it has matched what Tampa Bay's defense has done over the last couple weeks. And I just think that Tampa Bay is really rolling hot into this game. And it's, it's the spread at minus three feels like it could be even closer. Like if you, I, I wouldn't hate it if it was, you know, minus two or even a pick them really. It feels like this game should be really, really close. And the it's going to be incredible to see, you know, the narratives that come out of between Mahomes versus Brady. And I, that's what it keeps coming back to for me, you know, with these two quarterbacks just being possibly at the end of when it's all said and done, being considered number one and number two in the pantheon of NFL quarterbacks. And we get to see them both play in the same championship Super Bowl game. And I, that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy to me, too, though, is that you say this game could be closer in terms of the line. But at the same time, the Kansas City Chiefs are historically great if you consider the run that they've been on. Um, they're 14-2 and two this year, and one of those games they didn't play their starters. So well, they were 14-1 and one in the regular season. They won their playoff games this year, and obviously they won the Super Bowl last year. Exactly. So essentially they've won, what, like 21 out of their past 22 games. Yeah. And when you consider a team with that much strength in, in the game against the Raiders, it was kind of fluky. So this team could essentially have a perfect record dating back to last year. And they're only a three point favorite in the Super Bowl with the most historically talented quarterback we've ever seen in the first three years of his career. Totally. Um, So yeah, the chiefs also, it's kind of shocking that at the same time where you feel like this is a pick them, it feels like the chiefs should be favored by more. Yeah. There's a lot of potential outcomes for this game. A lot of unpredictability. And so I was thinking about it. So if Mahomes wins this game, if he if the Chiefs win this game, Mahomes has an opportunity to set himself to, like I said, eventually become the greatest quarterback of all time by the end of his career. And I was looking at some of the early the early career stats for Tom Brady. You know, remember he came in uh, in 2001, I believe, uh, when when Drew Bledsoe went out with the injury. He took over in week two and he led the, the Patriots to an all-time run, beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. They were 14 and a half point underdogs, I believe, against the Rams in that Super Bowl. And Tom Brady, you know, never looked back after that, after that run, never lost a starting job. You know, the, the, the career speaks for itself. But Mahomes, his his first full season, so he, like you uh like you mentioned in our notes, Mahomes sat out his first year. He, uh, I mean, Brady did the same thing. He he played one game his first his first year in the NFL, and so did Mahomes. And Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith his first season, and then his, his so I'm gonna consider his second year his first full season. That was his age 23 year. Brady's first full season, age 24. So Mahomes started a year earlier. So he has an opportunity to make a longer run. If I mean, if you want to think of it that way, and Mahomes has an opportunity to now win two Super Bowls 
within his first three seasons. I'm almost certain that's never been done. I didn't I, I didn't look back to see if any quarterback had ever done that, but I'm like 99% sure that's never been done. Brady won two Super Bowls in his first three years, um, but they weren't back-to-back. So he won in 01 and 03. I don't know that any young quarterback has ever won back-to-back. I'm pretty sure that if Mahomes wins this Super Bowl, they will be the only two to win two of their two Super Bowls in their first three seasons in the NFL. Mahomes has an oppor- uh, opportunity. Sorry, Mahomes made the Pro Bowl in each of his first three years. Brady only made it once. He made it in 2003, I believe. 2001? 2001. And Mahomes, um, sorry, Brady, all but so Mahomes is going for his back to back Super Bowl. Brady, he did win three Super Bowls in his first four seasons. Like I said, he, the the Patriots won back to back in 03 and 04, um, which was the last instance, like I said, since the team repeated, the Chiefs have a chance to do so this year. In Mahomes' first year starting, only one quarterback hasn't made, um, sorry, in Mahomes' first year, that's the only year he didn't make the Super Bowl, but he did win the MVP. And he threw for 50 touchdowns. Tom Brady's uh, career high in p- touchdowns pass, touchdown passes thrown in a, in a season, it's 50. Yes, it's his best year ever in his career, statistically. 2007 with Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Dante Stallworth, that elite team that the Patriots had that went 18-0, and then they lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants. Brady threw for 50 touchdowns in the regular season. Mahomes beat... Uh, Tied that in his first season, first full year in the NFL, won MVP, like I said. Really just interesting stats to compare these two because they're really in their own in a class of their own together. And Mahomes is stacking excellence on top of excellence in his first three years. And that's what Brady did throughout his entire career. I mean, for Christ's sake, I mean, it's his 10th Super Bowl. But it's, super, it's still super early for Mahomes. He's laying the foundation for excellence and setting expectations that you know, make this conversation worth having, especially if he wins this game. So could Mahomes one day usurp Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time? Let me throw that question to you. Well, absolutely. But it goes a long way for Brady if he just wins this one game and then ends his career. So he could go out on top seven Super Bowls and he would have beaten Mahomes in this last. Uh, Brady's already talking about next year, so that probably won't be the case. I don't He's see his about career past ending. 45 now. Yeah, I mean, he's insane. He could play forever. I, I don't know when that him or LeBron are going to end their careers. But yeah, Mahomes, the, the start to his career um, has been better than any quarterback in history. So if you're talking about the potential ceiling or his career accomplishments, I think it's higher than Brady's. I mean, it has to be just based on the start. I agree. This game could be the feather in the cap that puts either of these guys over the other in the end. You know, when if Mahomes has a illustrious 20-year career wins you know five Super Bowls maybe not doesn't match Brady's maybe say Mahomes wins this game and then goes on to win another three throughout his career and plays maybe 18 to 20 years he's got five Super Bowls under the belt Brady has six say Brady never wins another one that's a very that's a very interesting debate you know that's that's you know Mahomes is possibly the most talented because you talk about if you talk about a, a peak performance, because I mean, in, in baseball, you talk about like when people do the Hall of Fame ba- debates for baseball, you talk about peak performance, like their peak years. Like how good was a player in their, their best years of their career? Mahomes in his first three years has had a run or I mean, you could talk about his first year, this MB, his MVP year that I was mentioning. Like, I don't know, a quarterback has ever reached these heights that he's reaching, at least statistically. And... If he plays 18 years, 20 years, 
Mahomes in the end, especially if he wins this game, that might be the thing that puts him over the top as, you know, most people who most people think to be the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. But it this is the kind of ramifications that this game is having. I mean, we're talking about a guy and he's in his third year and we're already talking about we're already talking about him, you know, at one day possibly taking over the man, the crown for the guy, the number one, the number one quarterback, the, you know, the guy that Tom Brady has earned the, the, the spot that Tom Brady has earned throughout his career. Yeah. I mean, and again, he's going to benefit from the, the trajectory of his career in, in the timing of when it's taking place, because we're in a completely different era. Once again, Tom Brady played in a much more run heavy career, uh, much more run heavy era, just like those who came before him did. So, you know, we're talking about guys, you know, Harry Bradshaw has a ton of Super Bowls, but his stats don't even come close to comparing what Tom Brady did. And then if you look at what Mahomes did in his first couple of years compared to Brady's respectively, it doesn't even come close in terms of what Mahomes has done. And it's just the factor of each era seems to be more inventive. Science is coming farther. These players are getting faster and stronger. And naturally, they're scoring more points, you know, the coaches are becoming extremely innovative and, and you the think way about the, the Kansas City Chiefs and, 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 and talk about ruled. two of the best offensive coaches in one team with Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid. I mean, I couldn't think of a better duo to want to land and then to have Travis Kelsey and Tyree the ideal Kill. situation. Yeah. What, what could be more optimal for a strong, big armed quarterback? It's just fantastic. And if you consider that that core is still pretty young, you look at Travis Kelsey, he's, I think, 33, but he seems like a very young 33, considering he just had his best year ever. Tyreek Hill only seems to be becoming more of a complete wide receiver, whereas he came into the league mostly as a punt returner and niche player. So these guys are literally growing and developing with Mahomes, too. I just don't know if Brady ever even had the weapons to compare. And so I almost feel bad for him in terms of, yes, he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but he wasn't in the greatest situation of all time. And because of that, he might not remain the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't know that being dealt with the, you know, Brady being paired with Belichick throughout his entire career in, in new England. It's very similar to the to kind of situation that Mahomes has. It's, I mean, these two guys, mm-hmm. it's just, they're in a league of their own. They're literally in, you talk about the, the pantheon of quarterbacks and Tom Brady is number one and Mahomes is, you know, starting to burst his way into that scene. Otherwise, you know, him and Rogers are right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you talked about Travis Kelsey. That's another narrative that I, I had to, you know, discuss for this game because on on a lower note, on a, on a you know, beneath this quarterback battle between Mahomes and Brady, you got a tight end battle, possibly the greatest tight ends of all time in Kelsey and Gronkowski. Yeah. This the, great secondary so, storyline right there. Right. I mean, the historic the historic battles between these two teams is incredible in this game. I mean, Travis Kelsey and, and Rob Gronkowski may go down as two of the best. I mean, I think Gronk's the best tight end of all time, especially when you consider how elite he is in the blocking game and how able, how capable and just how excellent he always was with the Patriots at blocking. Not, I mean, all, given he was an elite pass catcher, someone that we all that we we all know him for that ability. But a lot of people, a lot of uh, casuals who watch the NFL, you know, don't you know acknowledge that you know Gronk's one of the best tight end blockers at, as well in his career and. I mean, you, Kelsey and Gronk will be considered along the names of like Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp, Kellen Winslow, Antonio Gates. Those guys are all going to be up there. Um, but I mean, Gronk has probably separated himself from that bunch. I mean, Tony Gonzalez is right there with him 
Tony Gonzalez, in my opinion, is I mean, right there in the in that top tier with Gronk. Um, but Kelsey, if he could if he continues this run, especially if he were able to, you know, be a big part of this Super Bowl win for the Chiefs, he is on a trajectory for you know leap leapfrogging into this this group of players that I'm talking about here. And it's just I w- I kind of wish Kelsey played Week 17 just to you know boost those stats that you know gr- I was looking he back was at leading this- the league in receiving yards before yeah. that game wide receivers too he was ahead of them he could have led the league in receiving yards as a tight end yeah unbelievable yeah and and he could have used another touchdown or two as well because he got 11 touchdowns on the season he's tied that's tied for 16th most all time in a season Gronk had had 17 back in 2011 that's still the most all time but say Kelsey caught two touchdowns in the uh, give him 100 yards just because that's what he was averaging I mean that would that would make his season possibly I mean one of the top three seasons all time maybe possibly top one if you want to talk about him leading the league in, in receiving yards that's you know an incredible accomplishment but this year that he had I mean 1,416 receiving yards that's the most all time for a tight end in the season he had 105 receptions that's the third most all time in a, in a year for a tight end and then like I said 11 touchdowns tied for 16th um for for Gronk, I mean, he he hasn't for for I mean, talking about this year for Gronk, he hasn't really been heavily involved in the passing game for this postseason. Um, but part of what makes him so great and and amazing as a tight end is ability to not be involved in an in outright sense and explicit sense of you know be, catching touchdowns and and long passes. But he's able to, like I said, block in the trenches, protect Brady, make good blocks downfield for his. Fellow receivers, like that's the kind of stuff that Gronk thrives at. He really just does. So he's just such a great job at that kind of stuff. But I mean, you look back at their Week Twelve matchups between these two teams. Gronk led, I, I believe, he led the uh, the Buccaneers in receiving yards. He had 106 yards, six catches in the first matchup between these two teams back in Week Twelve, and and Kelsey had eight catches for 82 yards. So actually, one of his worst games of the year. I mean, that's still a great game, but actually, <laughs> that's the kind of season he had. And if you know, one of these two players, if both, it'll be fun to see both these players have great games. But if one of these two players has an, a head over heels elite game that way, way better than the other, you, it's going to be a, a big feather in their cap like it was for Mahomes or Brady um, in, in, you know, the discussion for greatest tight end of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to foreshadow a little bit, uh, I think they both will have a great game. Uh, and you'll see that in my DFS lineup. Um, but Gronk seems to have this type of career where he steps up in the Super Bowl. Uh, a couple of years ago against the Rams, he was having kind of a, a so-and-so season, probably mm-hmm. you know one of the worst seasons in his in the last five years of his career, um, excluding seasons where he was fully injured. Uh, and he came up huge in the Super Bowl. Big catches. I remember one right around the goal line, um, and I think he put up a pretty big yardage Hot total. Touchdown. And Hot I touchdown. wouldn't. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Right on the goal line. He, he got stopped like at the two yard line or the one yard line. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was like a 30 yard pass, like a pretty yeah. important catch. That was, like the biggest, that was the biggest play of the game. 
Right. And and what do big players do in big situations? They step up and Brady and Gronk are certainly comfortable with each other. If there was a rapport that I would lean on, if I were Tom Brady, my comfortability, it would be going to Gronk and getting myself going. This is a guy where I've been to multiple Super Bowls with him, for Christ's sake. I mean, how can you not think Gronk will step up here? And yeah, and he might not impact the game in the way we've previously seen from a receiving perspective, but he will be heavily involved that's no doubt and the part of the reason you have a guy like Gronkowski on the field is to open up other playmakers as well uh last week we saw Cameron Brait with a big game and I think partially that was because Gronk also creates a lot of attention for a defense when he leaks out of the backfield and so you know it's going to create holes just having him on the field totally yeah Gronk it he's kind of like that like I've said this about the Patriots, were do, they were doing this a lot with him, especially in his late years, especially in that that Super Bowl run against the Rams. It's kind of like that Lamborghini sports car that you 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 break out of the garage, you know, once every every time you need him. Summer like, car, right? You, yeah, you only break like, it out when it's nice. You 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 challenge us, dude, to a race. You're like, dude, you don't know what I got in my garage. You don't know, you, you know, you you want to race down, you know, Hollywood Boulevard. I I got I, I got the Toyota Camry all year in the winter, but you know it's summer, man, and I got the Ferrari <laughs> waiting in there. It's been under a sheet. Yeah. So I hope I I you know Gronkowski anytime score for this game. He was plus twenty plus two twenty five on Fanduel. It's good. It's some some good odds for me. I like that one for me to foreshadow going ahead, but. Um, one thing to one, one other narrative that is really big for me in this game is whether or not there's going to be a home field advantage, because this game is going to be played in Tampa Bay at uh, Raymond James stadium, the capacity for Raymond James, it, they're going to be filling it one third of the way. They're going to be, um, filling 22,000 fans in attendance for the Super Bowl. I think a third of them or a good amount of them are going to be healthcare workers from Tampa Bay. And I, the, the reason why I'm optimistic that there is going to be a little bit of a home field advantage for Tampa Bay is precisely those those healthcare workers from from the city. You know, I think they're going to be a little rowdy. I think they're going to be a little loud, and, and there'll be there'll be some energy. So, you know, typically in, in the Super Bowl, it's more of a corporate crowd, guys. You know, a lot of whoever uh, can afford the seats. Yeah, right? exactly. It's more of like you you know, uh, nobody's really rooting heavily towards one side or the other just want to see a good right. football game usually it's that's it's, the majority this is the first time that a team playing in the super bowl is at home otherwise it's always been neutral so absolutely yeah, first it's just ever. a mishmash yeah first team to ever play a super bowl in their home stadium um bruce arians last week was saying that or on, on media day on monday was saying that he he thinks the big advantage is that he get they get to they got to stay in their own beds they got to sleep there just stay yeah. in their normal routine uh, they they were able to sleep in their own beds. He thinks that's a huge advantage on leading up to the game. He doesn't feel that he didn't express a lot of optimism that it would feel like a home game um, or a big home field advantage during the game. That was mm-hmm. his sense. But for for me, I'm optimistic that I mean I, I honestly think that it's going to boost in, in terms of like a spread. If I were to set a spread for Tampa Bay, I honestly think it gets me like almost a point. Uh, it's almost like a if if you if you I think throughout the regular season we were giving home field advantage almost nothing, maybe half a point at best during these spreads. Um, for me, this one feels like it might be like a point. It might swing the home field advantage might swing the game that way. Um, yeah, what I like from that perspective is definitely like I think it helps the over because I think that you know we saw in the NBA in the bubble when these players were playing where they were living, 
that there was a huge increase in performance and they were kind of ready to go right out of the gate. There was no jet lag. There was no, I'm, you know, I got in at 5 a.m. and now I, I have to catch up on my sleep and, and my routine is totally thrown off. These Bucks players should be in sync. And I was a little bit uh, worried about the Bucks getting, uh, getting right coming out of the gate because this year they've been very variable in terms of their performances. Occasionally they just look completely off, but essentially it's a home game. They've had a couple of weeks to prepare and they've got to sleep in their own beds. I think that's a huge advantage. So in the first quarter, I think that the bucks actually have a pretty decent advantage. And I kind of think that also goes into the Kansas city game lines that we've seen over the past couple of years where they're slow out of the gates, big second and third quarters. We've even seen that in this playoffs, they were down to the bills, nine, nothing. And they, then all of a sudden by the end of the half, they were up 21, nine. So look for Tampa Bay to get off to a hot start and probably win the first quarter. Yeah, I like that. That's not a bad handicap. The The Chiefs, they got to fly. They're going to fly into Tampa Bay on, on two days before the, the game, so Friday. And typically the, the the teams fly in, I believe, on the Sunday, so the week before. Yeah, usually uh, there's the a whole media week and everything. Yeah, so they, they, on Monday is the media day. Then there's a whole, you know, there's all these different events. Guys getting pulled everywhere, a lot of chaos. So, you know, actually a little bit of an advantage for Kansas City in a sense because they get to, you know, just focus on practice for the two weeks and uh, mm-hmm. not have to worry too much about the chaos of the event. Um, but hopefully it just results in a better played game, more exciting, a lot of a lot of good football. That's what my thought Less is. Less distractions hopefully. for sure. Yeah. Um, I was trying to look back on this, this trend, the home field advantage, and – there were two other Super Bowls that were played in the local region of the teams in, in the game. So in 1979, the Los Angeles Rams made it to, made to Super Bowl uh, 14, and they lost to the Steelers 31 to 19. They were in the Pasadena Rose Bowl, so not far from their home stadium. I believe they were playing in the Coliseum where USC plays now. And I mean that that was a blowout game, I guess, but. Not much of an advantage there. And then in the other in the other instance, I was I was looking at San Francisco 49ers made it to Super Bowl 19. They won that game 27 to 17 against the Dolphins in Stanford Stadium. They were about 23 miles away from their home field in Candlestick Park. And so kind of a, a wash there. Not much to take away from me uh, between those two. But I thought it was interesting that we you know there were two instances previously where a team got to play with a little bit of a home field advantage. But we'll see if you know, like I said, the, the healthcare workers, the pandemic situation. If anything, that kind of those kind of X factors play into this. You know, this developing story of a home field advantage. Maybe, like I said, the healthcare workers can kind of bring more energy for the Bucks. But we'll see how that works out. Um, the league, the league typically handles. They do handle the ticket sales for this game, so it doesn't necessarily mean that the Bucks fans are going to pack the stadiums. Like the Bucks can't just like only sell to Bucks fans. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's what some teams do in hockey sometimes in the NHL. You can't do that here. Um, so you know it's going to be kind of a, a diverse crowd. We'll we could say, and you know the, I was looking at ticket prices. Tickets are going to be tough to come by. 22,000 fans. The cheapest seat on Ticketmaster was 5,886 bucks. Most expensive seat was 40k. So, if you want to if you want to, you know, risk uh, going to the Super you wanna, Bowl. You want to book a couple on the corporate card then? Yeah, right. We we got that kind of cash at ATA, so <laughs> <laughs> you front it. Maybe next year. All right. <laughs> a little too late. We didn't pass the test yet. You know, you got to get the vaccine first. Yeah, so interesting for me the developing storyline with that. I, well, I wonder if you know late in the game if the fans get louder for the Bucks if that plays into any sort of late drive or you know maybe when the the Kansas City 
Chiefs are on offense if it gets too loud for them to, you know, call audibles or, you know, stuff like that. Those maybe that starts to play into the game, especially late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a storyline, you know, the home field advantage. And then the question is also, how, how does the impact of playing in the Super Bowl last year affect the Chiefs? You know, they just did it. They should have that relevant experience and they should be able to bring that to the game. Uh, looking at past Super Bowl winners in their second appearance, I think they've it's happened 14 times where a team has played in back-to-back Super Bowls, and I believe they've won nine of, of the 14 times. So hmm. a, a decently significant result. It might be eight, but at least more than half of the time, the the reigning team uh, who was in their Super Bowl previously wins the second time. But it's not like Tom Brady and uh, the Bucks don't have Super Bowl experience on their team considering yeah. Tom has been there 10 times. So I think that's less impactful than probably what – what could be the home field possibly um, so you were in some years we would say you know this team doesn't have a lot of experience and the fact that the chiefs were in the super bowl last year is very impactful and very important i don't think it necessarily matters when the most important player on the team is the quarterback and tom brady's been there 10 times yeah definitely L- little his uh another historic narrative for me here Sp- steve spagnola the defensive coordinator for the kansas city chiefs happened to also be the defensive coordinator I'm going to cry. He was the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants in 2007 and 2008 when the New York Giants held the then 18-0 and New England Patriots with Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Dante Stallworth, all those weapons. They held that offense, the historic offense, to just 14 points in that Super Bowl. Really just... Uh, Spagnola had Brady Brady's number in that game. Brady, his, long, his longest pass in Super Bowl 42... 19 yards. He couldn't even get a, a pass over 20 yards. Uh, this year, the Bucks though, they lead the league and, and plays over 25, 25 yards or more. They have 44 plays over 25 yards. The 2007 Pats offense did average 6.2 yards per play. This Bucks team averages 6 yards per play, so not quite on that level. The Chiefs defense uh, ranks, uh, they rank fourth worst in the explosive plays allowed this year. And only the other teams that are only worst are Detroit, Atlanta, and Minnesota. So well, that's going to be a big X factor for me, whether or not Spagnola is able to scheme up enough, you know, defensive charisma or defensive moxie to hold Brady and, and the Bucks and keep them in front of them, limit the big plays, because that's what that's what's going to win the Bucks the game. If they're able to stretch the field, get a big play or two in this game, that's going to be the difference maker for them, most likely. Um I went back to watch that Super Bowl 42. I, I put myself through the pain of that whole experience again. I don't think I had watched it since, you know, the night that that happened and how I remember just being so miserable, possibly one of the worst, maybe three or four losses of my sports, you know, fandom. And the Giants scheme in that game was to just to show Brady as many different kinds of looks as possible. No, no play was the same. Like the defense kept changing every play. And the linemen and linebackers would multiple times fake like they were going back into coverage to throw off the running back for the the Patriots so that the the running back would block somebody else. And then they would get and then the running back would commit elsewhere and then they would rush the quarterback like even Mora and and Justin Tuck would do that a few times. And Brady got sacked at least a a, a couple times that way. And the defensive line for that Giants for the Giants was just incredible in that game. Justin Tuck, Osu Minora, Michael Strahan, just just elite, elite team. 
uh, combination of players. And I don't think the Chiefs have that in this game. But it was interesting to see how Spagnuolo was able to scheme that game against such an elite offense because this Tampa Bay Bucks team is not that New England team. But it's still Tom Brady. And we'll see if Brady, you know, maybe Brady went back to that game to see what Spagnuolo might want to do for him against him this game because Brady was hit nine times in that game. That, you can't have that. You can't have that in this one. Brady can't be hit nine times in this game for the Buccaneers, and right. that's not going to be good for them because Brady's only yeah. averaged 3.5 QB hits a game in 2020. So he's just over a third of that total that he uh, he was hit back in that Super Bowl. So the Chiefs are they're, they're actually fifth in QB knockdown percentage this year. They're, they got a 12% knockdown percentage, 67 total QB knockdowns this year. So the Chiefs defensive line does get at it. And I think that's going to be a big X factor for me, whether or not, you know, this offensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, which I think is very, very good, can keep up and, and keep that uh, the Chiefs defense at bay and keep them, you know, behind, you know, drive them back and, and keep Brady protected. Yeah, and I think one of the steps that highly correlates with a pass rush that's getting after the quarterback is interceptions because, you know, it creates a lot of pressure and then oftentimes quarterbacks make mistakes. Now, the Chiefs this year, they might not have been the best team by every single metric um, defensively, but they did create a lot of turnovers in the passing game specifically, and that's their strength. And if I had to bet on one side of this game, who's going to have more turnovers, I would probably guess Tom Brady's going to have more turnovers than Patrick Mahomes against this Tampa Bay pass defense, which is certainly um, which certainly is more open yeah. to exploitation. Um, uh, so QB hurries are important. That- yeah. yeah, between Chris Jones and Ty- Tyron Matthew, they could create some problems uh, for Tom Brady uh, when he's reading these schemes and, and what Spagnola can create because he does also have experience going against this quarterback and knowing what his mindset is in big games. The question is, you know, can the Chiefs create that pass rush? Um, I, I'm not sure that their pass rush is going to be nearly as effective as the Bucks has been in this playoffs, you know, when you consider – uh, JPP and Devin White and Shaq Barrett and all those things that those guys have done. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, both sides of the ball are extremely, extremely well-matched. Yeah, really just, t- like I said, battle battle of two elite teams. Brady, he's an underdog for the first time in this Super Bowl since 2002. That was his first Super Bowl appearance almost almost 20 years ago against St. Louis. They were 14-point underdogs. There was a, that was the second biggest upset in Super Bowl history. Uh, but the Patriots were a pick against the Seahawks in 2015 when they won that game on the Malcolm Butler pick. But the uh, the story with Brady here, man, I, I, just, I don't know. For me, it's like the only, the only way I would be hesitant to pick Brady as an underdog in a Super Bowl is if he was facing Patrick Mahomes. So for, for really, this, I mean, if they were facing the Bills, I'd be heavy on the Bucks here. And... I think that this is just going to be a great game. And we saw these two teams play against each other earlier in the year, and we've touched on it previously. Let's go back and look a little bit of what we could take away from that Week 12 matchup. Have you, did you look at have you? Do you remember how that game turned out? Do you remember it was a Tyreek Hill game where he caught 13 catches, 269 yards, three touchdowns? Do you remember that, do you, do you remember that one? 
Well, yeah, I think that's a big part in going into my analysis. Um, as I previously mentioned, I think that the Bucks secondary is much more um, easily exploitable, uh, especially considering the game that we saw Tyreek Hill have against them previously. So you had mentioned that uh, Travis Kelsey had more of a pedestrian outing, and that's because I think this team has some pretty strong linebackers who are very, very quick and able to uh, cover pretty well, but their secondary has had a lot of holes and they've been very exploitable in the long pass game. Tyreek Hill, I feel like, could just be the type of guy who's a little bit of a Rubik's Cube and can shift and, and change in so many different patterns and colors and and could be all over the field and use so many different effective ways, those little tap passes and and just yeah. screen passes, but also in a hurry, he's down the field in 70 yards and in, in the end zone. Yeah, for Hill, I mean, he you have to keep you have to double Hill and Kelsey as often as you can. You have to do chunk coverages where you have like three or four receiver uh, defensive players covering two two receivers or so. And you for Hill and Kelsey, it's all about a team effort to try to limit these guys and their explosiveness because I mean, you especially I think a lot I think Hill's best route is when he runs across the middle or when he runs across the field because it gives him as much room. It gives him more room and space to create, you know, separation from him and his defenders. And so Mm -hmm. when Hill's going to outrun every single player on the field when he's out there. And so that's what I'm talking about with chunk chunk coverage. You have to get guys help. You have to help him. You have to, when you're a safety, you have to know you can't let, you can't let Hill get behind you. You can't let Kelsey get behind you. These guys are going to, you know, try to get chunk yardage out of it. And you can't let them get the big play. You have to keep them in front of you. And that's going to be a big thing for them because they were not able to do that in that first matchup. Um, for me, I've seen a lot of people and I, I saw John Gruden talk about this. He was on ESPN the other day. He was saying that if he were if he was coaching the Bucks, he would try to win the time of possession battle in this one. He would keep Mahomes off the field. He would run the ball. He would, with uh, Fournette and Jones, who have both looked. Well, I mean, Fournette's looked really good, and Jones had a good season. Um, and the thing is, they tried this in the first game. They ran the ball five out of ten first downs, but they ran the ball four out of six uh, uh, times on the on first down. The Bucks did it in the first in their first six drives. The Bucks ran the ball four times on first down. They're trying. They were trying to set a pace in that first game to you know control the ball, you know shorten the game, keep keep the the Chiefs' offense off the field. But that doesn't always work with the Chiefs because the Chiefs they they don't need the ball to score points. They don't need the ball long to score points. They had a seventy five yard touchdown yeah. pass to Tyreek Hill in that first game. I mean, the Chiefs ranked sixteenth this year. Um, in average time possession per game, thirty. They averaged uh, holding the ball third, just over 30, 30 minutes a game. 30, 30 minutes, fourteen seconds. And over their last three games, where they've dominated offensively very well, they've had the ball just 28, 28 minutes, fifty nine seconds. So just about twenty nine minutes. So they don't need to win the time of possession battle to win football games. So that's not what my worry would be here with the, with the Bucks. You know, you, obviously it's it's good in theory to think yeah, you you want to keep Mahomes off the field as long as possible. You don't want to tire your defense out. But you know, when Mahomes is when you keep the Chiefs on offense on the field by, you know, keeping their yardage total, their chunk yardage, you know, getting 5 to to 8 to 6 yards at a time, you know, keeping their the plays in front of them. Like that's actually more important to me than keeping the offense off the field. It, when they're on the field, you have to keep the, the 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 big plays down. You have to limit those big plays. And because the Chiefs got a lot of them in that game against the Bucks in that first matchup. 
Well, yeah, the, the Chiefs have four sub-440 guys in Sammy Watkins, <laughs> Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, and Demarcus Robinson. Pe- people forget that you know Sammy Watkins is a sub-440 guy too, and he might actually play in this game, you know, yet to be seen. But last year, he had a big impact over 100 yards in the Super Bowl. So, you know, we're, we're talking about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and, and we're neglecting to mention these other fantastic assets. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming out of the backfield a couple more weeks where he's able to rest his injured legs and, and catch some more passes. And then Michael Hardman, any single play, could take 170 yards as well. Uh, so this team doesn't need time of possession. You're absolutely right because they can be supremely effective through the air and score quickly and score in bunches. Certainly. For, for me, some of the other takeaways I got from that Week 12 game, um, the Bucks. I mean, there was a lot of things that didn't work for the Bucks on defense. The, they were doing a lot of zone against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. They were trying to, you know, keep, like I said, keep guys in front of them, but it, it wasn't yeah. working because you, you can't let receivers like Kelsey and Hill, because they're so good at it, it's just finding the soft spots in those zones, running across the middle, you know, working their way. And they, 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 they run Kelsey left and then they have Hill running to the right and they create space that way. And, and both players are so magnetic that that's how they scheme. You know, they, they use Kelsey as a decoy sometimes in the flat so that the linebackers, you know, draw to Kelsey in the flat. And then Tyree comes across the middle for an 18 yard game. Like that kind of stuff happened. That's like the bread and butter for the chiefs. And so for me, it's all, it's all, it's, it's going to be a lot of combo combo coverages. You have to do a lot of man and zone coverage. You, the zone, you have to keep a guy deep. You have to keep two guys deep against the chiefs. You got it. You can't let, you can't, you can't let them get deep on you. And so that's going to be important. You have to keep those guys in front of you, but you all, you you also just can't let Mahomes operate, and, and you you have to disguise your coverages. I mean, they were obvious in the way that they were playing their defense against Mahomes. It was just soft coverages, letting Mahomes have time in the pocket. That's not going to work. That's not going to work mm-hmm. again. They'll score they'll score thirty five points against you if you do that again. And the Bucks will need to get more creative defensively. Try their best to, to try their best to confuse Mah- confuse Mahomes at the line of scrimmage as best as possible in this Super Bowl. Um, but I mean that game was pretty much over in the first quarter. It was seventeen nothing after the first. Um, but for me, I, I was trying to get some sort of conclusion, some takeaways from that game. I did see some stuff in the fourth quarter out of Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay did score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, the Chiefs were playing on defense. They were playing early in the game. The Chiefs were playing up like press coverages. They were you know a lot of blitzes, a lot of you know stifling the run game because they knew that the Bucks wanted to run the ball and, and set and set the tone with with a mm-hmm. pace of play that was to their their standards. Um, Great but pressure like, at the line is exactly. the way to beat the Bucks and the way to beat Brady, and that that's exactly. always been the recipe. So not shocking that's the way they started last time around. So when they when they got up ahead, obviously they knew the Bucks were going to try to throw. They started to back off. They got softer coverages. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. You can't do no, that. No, you, you can't you give stay, the goat time to, to read aggressive. the defense. Exactly. Absolutely, especially in that fourth quarter. I watched all the plays, and I don't know that I saw many rushes over four over four over four man rushes i saw i mean a handful of five man rushes um you can't give brady time to operate in the pocket because you have to make him co- uncomfortable because like you said when brady's under pressure when he's hurried that's when he makes the mistakes that's when you know he just throws one up to mike evans hoping that he catches it and th- that's when you create turnovers that's when you create chaos for the chiefs on defense if you give brady time to throw he will pick you apart like he did to the chiefs in that fourth quarter um, he was going through his. He was going through all of his progressions, finding open men. Um, he was able to effectively utilize his running backs out of the backfield in the passing game, which I thought was an interesting 
um, aspect of that one. Maybe they look to do that a little bit more in this one. Makes mm-hmm. me think that maybe Fournette or, or Jones or both get more involved in the passing game in this game. Um, but when the Bucks were were sniffing their second touchdown of the quarter, the Chiefs started, like I said, bringing an extra pressure. They had five. They have five man rushes back then. But then Brady started to rely on the short throws to his elite receiving cores who like like Godwin and Godwin had a, a few catches that you know Godwin's an elite pass catcher and elite route runner he, yeah. he creates space he creates some of the most space five yards off the line of scrimmage than anybody in the, in the league and he's the kind of guy that is able to juke you with uh, a misdirection step a, a, a pivot one way a, a shift one way like he he is great at that that is his yeah. specialty and if that's going to be the push and pull that they're going to have because if if you start rushing guys, that means that it's going to be all on the the cornerbacks and the linebackers to get fresh coverage, create uh you know chaos and, and make it difficult for receivers to create space you know five to ten yards from the line of scrimmage. That's when Brady's going to start to look at the short pass throws, the slants, the the out routes, the flats, the screens. Like those are the kind of things that the Bucks will look to when mm-hmm. Kansas City starts to blitz. And so that's what Kansas City definitely has in the back of their minds. If they start to blitz, they, the the secondary is going to start to look that way to you know stay stay tight on their man. Um, but right. that second it, touchdown went to Evans, seven yard touchdown to Evans. By the way, it'll be a lot of Godwin in the tight ends if uh, you know the Chiefs end up bringing the blitz, and so it'll be it'll all be about the communication and whether Brady is on the same page with these guys, and it'll take a lot of crisp route running and. You know, they have to catch the ball. Godwin has had some issues in the playoffs this year with catching the ball, and that'll be crucial when we're talking about small, small plays, four or five yards down the field, to be able to convert on third down. So, you know, do they actually pick up those five or six-yard passing plays? It'll be important. And That's I what Brady's specialty that, is. I think That's that Godwin's going to be able to do it. I, I have confidence that, you know, those some of those drops are more of a fluke. He was coming back mm-hmm. from having pins in his finger earlier in the season, and he seems to have looked more comfortable last game. Yeah. And for a lot of teams, this kind of game against the Chiefs would have been, you know, they got down 17 nothing, and you think that a lot of teams would just kind of fold. They're playing the what most to believe to believe to be the best team in the NFL at that time, especially. And, you know, Kudos to the to the Bucks. They made it a close game. They it's crazy. They got they got up to twenty four points, twenty four to seven. They lost that game by just three points. And they've only you know the Chiefs haven't um, the Buccaneers haven't lost a game by more than three this season ex- to any team besides the New Orleans Saints. So uh, the Bucks, you know, they came back in week fourteen. Like I said, they got the bye in week thirteen. They, you know, they regrouped. They re- they they took a, a hard look at what they were doing on offense because it wasn't working. They were struggling going into that game against Kansas City. They figured some things out late in the game, and it seems like they utilized it a lot more since Week 14 on. And the the Bucks, like I said, have been the hottest team in the NFL since that Week 14 coming off the bye. The offense has scored, th- I think, 34, almost 34 and a half points per game. So yeah, they're undefeated since that one, right? Yep. And I, I just think that, like I said, these two teams are playing their best brand of football right now. It'll be fun to see how the, they match up. Uh, I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be a different game script. If I had, if I, you know, I don't think that we're going to see another twenty-seven to twenty-four game where the Chiefs go up seventeen in the first quarter. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case in this game. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think, I think what we're in for a much different start. Definitely. All right, let's look at some X factors for this Super Bowl matchup on Sunday. The first, the first questions for me in this game, the the, the biggest variables has got to be the injuries because there is, uh, a, you know, a decent amount of injuries that are possibly affecting the outcome of this game. Um, like 
will will injuries or a lack of key players or key players being hindered or not performing at their peak levels is it, how is that going to affect the game? How is it going to affect how this how this Super Bowl plays out? Because Kansas City, we haven't touched about it yet. They don't have Eric Fisher. Their left tackle, their best lineman of the season, tore his Achilles Bowl late. Tackle. Yeah, he, he tore his Achilles late in the game last week. I mean, two weeks ago against Buffalo, they've been without uh, Mitchell Schwartz. He's been uh, he had a I think a broken back. He's been out since week six. And you look at Kansas City last year. Eric Fisher missed eight games. They went four and four in that span. So it's not good, not ideal. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a big part of what keeps Mahomes safe and he, he keeps him comfortable. Eric Fisher is one of the elite linemen in this game, and so without him, that's going to be a big loss for them. Because um, Tampa Bay, like we said, has e- an elite defensive line. They're very, very good, and they're going to look to exploit this critical loss for possibly critical loss for Kansas City. Um, the Chiefs have shifted their linemen around, which is also kind of something to be wary about. Because obviously, you in an, in an ideal world, you have a, a, a great left tackle to back up your your Pro Bowl guy, but that's not the case. You know, that's never going to be the case. And so they move um, Remmers. He's he's the replacement for Schwartz. He's moving from right tackle to left tackle. Wiley is moving from right guard to right tackle. Stefan Wisniewski is moved. Well, he's going to start at right guard. So you got guys moving all over the place for the Chiefs on the offensive line. We'll see if there's any confusion there. The two week the two week preparation plan is going to be helpful for them, especially on the offensive line, in my opinion. But the 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 Buccaneers are definitely going to be trying to exploit you know the the shortcomings of the 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 potential shortcomings of this Chief uh, you know front five. Right, you have you have an issue again where the offensive line is compromised, and then Patrick Mahomes and his leg is also compromised. So I wouldn't be shocked if they're dialing up more pressure this game than uh, some people may expect. Yeah, for the Chiefs as well, uh, they have some questionable players in Le'Veon Bell with a knee problem. Cornerback Rashad Fenton, he has a foot. Legarius Sneed, he's a he's he's in concussion protocol. Sammy Watkins with the calf. I believe these guys are going to play, but just you know. Worthy, worthy of a note because they might be banged up, maybe not playing at their best. And then, like you said, the question is whether or not Mahomes is 100% running the ball because he had five carries for five yards last week. It didn't matter. The guy operated like a wizard in the pocket. But he he's the, his feet are his last – that's his emergency break. Like that's his – you know, when nothing's working and there's nobody open, that's what he goes to. He, he is able to create – he is able to keep defenses honest by keeping the threat of a 20-yard quarterback run in his back pocket. Like he when he's healthy, that's his that's what he's capable of, but if it, if the toe and and if he's not feeling 100% still with the uh concussion or whatever that was that he had two uh, three weeks ago, it, we'll see if that is still affecting him. I don't know. Clyde Edwards-Alaire also is he 100 he had six carries for seven yards against the bills so clearly wasn't someone that they tried to rely on for for offensive efficiency in that game we'll see if he's more heavily involved in this matchup for the bucks you got antonio brown banged up he has a knee problem he practiced today i looked like he was doubtful earlier in the week to play i, I mean i think the guy's a gamer he wants to play this is his, i think his first super bowl of his career and the guy is a, a hall of fame talent and he deserves to i mean you could say all you want about his all of his off-field issues, but when, when a guy is this good, he deserves to play in a Super Bowl throughout in his career, and hopefully he's able to give it a go and and be effective on Sunday. The Bucks have a number of cluster injuries on defense. Um, it seems like all of them are are trending towards playing, but you got a lot of guys banged up, and it seems like you know on defense especially you get a lot of guys that play through injuries. I mean, you talk about. I mean, I'm thinking about how 
um, camp, uh, the guy for the Seahawks, uh, Chancellor, Camp Chancellor, was talking about last week about how the Seahawks, when they were playing against the, the Pats, when they were because it was the Malcolm Butler re, uh, anniversary of the inter- mm-hmm. interception, and he was talking about he it haunts him that that play, the decision to do that. But he was saying like how banged up the Seahawks were, how like he was playing with like a broken foot or something, and guy like I think somebody had a torn labrum. I think there was all these different injuries that the Seahawks had on defense, but all of them were playing through it, all of them trying to you know reach their yeah. goal of the Super Bowl, and it just didn't Last work game out of the for year, them. Right? And so that has to be something similar here. I mean, you got Jordan Jordan Whitehead for the Bucks, shoulder and knee problems. Levante David, a, a hamstring issue. Antoine Whitfield, an ankle problem. They're all trying towards playing, like I said. But I mean, da- David Winfield and Whitehead rank second, third, and fourth in tackles for the Bucks this season. Every member of that trio has at least a sack and a forced fumble on the year in in each game, or um, sorry, in uh, throughout the year. And it could be a big blow for Tampa Bay's defense if they're if these guys aren't one hundred percent. Yeah, that could be a certainly certainly be a big impact, um, especially when we're talking about tackles. We're talking about the yards after the catch. We're talking about those short yarded plays that Chris Godwin impact those tight ends. You know, are these guys too injured to be able to make those quick tackles and get those guys on the ground, or does Gronk able to able to turn a five yard catch into a thirty yard catch like he did last week or two weeks ago at this point? Um, but yeah, well, these injuries, these, be are, these injuries are, for, are but the Bucks, the Bucks have some injuries on defense. Oh, David yeah. Winfield and Whitehead, they're there. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, you know, I don't know that. I mean, they're obviously going to be playing, but we'll see if they're able to like, you know, keep up and with, with the Tyreek Hills and then Travis Kelsey's because this can be a physical ball game for those guys. Yeah, I think for both teams, a, a big theme is going to be limiting yards after the catch because I, I think that creating pressure against either of these quarterbacks considering the offensive line situation and the game plan and that the fact that these quarterbacks like to take deep shots is going to incentivize the pass rush. And when that happens, that means the ball is going to be out quick. And do the linebackers converge on the ball? Do the guys from the secondary, are they able to make those plays and limit the 10-yard catch? from becoming the 30, 40, 50 yard catch, which can easily happen when you're talking about Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, all of these players, Nicole Hardman. So these, these injuries could be certainly impactful when you're talking about guys who are the second, third and fourth leading tacklers on a team. Definitely. Well, you, you touched on the chiefs defense as well and how they're going to be able to try to stifle the, the bucks defense. I mean, bucks um, offense, so the Bucks have their problems on it with injuries on their defense, but I mean the Chiefs have a lot of their own worries on on that that side of the football for themselves. I mean the Chiefs are the worst ranked defense the Bucks have faced since Week 16 against Detroit. Detroit's uh the, the Chiefs are 24th in weighted DVOA. I think Detroit's like 31st or something. But the Chiefs have a, a 20. They're 24th in weighted DVOA. I think they're 18th in points given up this year. The Bucks have the best ranked defense the Chiefs have faced since. The, the Chiefs face New Orleans in, in week 15. New Orleans has a second-ranked second, second defense in uh, way to DVOA. Um, th- that is the only defense that Kansas City has faced this year that is ranked better than the Bucks. So the Bucks are the second-best defense that the Chiefs have faced this season. Um, the Bucks against... Uh, so the Bucks offense against teams with defenses ranked in the bottom half of the league this year. So the Chiefs are 24th, like I said. So against these teams in the bottom half of the league, the Bucks offense is averaging 34.44 points per game, and they're allowing 19.11, points to those opponents. The Chiefs have averaged 30.12 points per game and allowed 21.47. So 
that maybe if you take away i'm taking out the week 17 numbers because i mean that was a toss-up game for the chiefs but um the chiefs i mean the bucks uh against these bottom half teams are also averaging 425 yards per game of offense the chiefs have averaged uh the defense has given uh, sorry the chiefs have given up 427.2 yards per game um again taking out week 17 the Bucks have averaged off um, offensive EPA of 17.78 against these bottom half defenses. The Chiefs have averaged 16.35 offensive EPA this year. Again, taking away week 17. And the Bucks are eight, eight and one straight up against these bottom half teams, bottom half defenses. Um, the one loss coming against obviously the Kansas City Chiefs in week 12. So the Chiefs are they have they have the you know the work cut out for them. Their their defense is going to be they're going to be a big factor in this one. They're going to be a big X factor, whether or not they're able to keep the Buccaneers from having the big plays that they're known for this year and whether or not they're able to create any turnovers, create pressure on Brady. That's going to be a big X factor for the Chiefs uh, and whether or not they're able to pull this one out. Um, the Chiefs against defenses ranked 15 or higher, so that would be the, that would include the Bucs, obviously. Um, I took out the Bills last game just because, I mean, the Chiefs absolutely dominated last game. So for the purpose of this argument, I was looking at – Besides the last game against the Bills in the conference championship, I was looking at games where the Chiefs were facing quality defenses this year, whether teams that were ranked in the top half um, in defense this season. They're, I mean, their win-loss record speaks for themselves. They're 6-0 and straight up, uh, but they averaged 28.17 points per game. They allowed 21.83, so not quite the standard of excellence that you look for with the Chiefs. And they had an offensive EPA of 14.96 against those better defenses. So Chiefs are always going to be a great team, but there's something to be said about, you know, they they their standard of excellence is lowered a little bit when they're facing these better teams on defense. And so we'll see if that trend continues in the Super Bowl here. Yeah, you're absolutely right that the defense could be a, a big factor for the Chiefs. I'm just wondering how much of an impact on the defense was the offense because we know that when you have one of the most explosive offensive teams who was in the top 10 in scoring and and led the league in yards during the regular season, that's going to create a lot of opportunity for the other team because they're going to be playing catch up, which puts a lot more pressure on your defense and just typically leads to higher point totals. So where a team like the Rams benefited from having a poor offense and a really strong defense, at least for their defensive statistics, the chiefs had the inverse impact where I think they probably are more like an average defense, but look a little bit below average just because of how good their offense is. That could be true. That's a good point. Um, One thing that the chiefs defense is going to have to, you know, keep an eye on and and try to address and try to exploit on that side of the football is uh, I saw a great breakdown on ESPN this week from Dan Orlovsky. Um, he has his, he has the hits and miss, misses sometimes. UConn's very own, man. I'll yeah. support him. Go Huskies. So uh, he was highlighting the, the pass blocking from the Tampa Bay running backs this year. And he was highlighting what Fournette and Jones were able to, uh, to do in the pass blocking game. And they've been struggling in the pass block situations that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had to, you know, address. And, he, they were uh, there was a lot of uh, Fournette missing coverages, blocking the wrong guys, not attacking his blocks aggressively. You know, letting you can't sit back as a running back when you when you're blocking a pass rusher like a linebacker or an elite pass rusher. You have to attack them because if you sit back, they will juke the shit out of you. Some of these guys, these are really athletic dudes, mm-hmm. and they will just they'll go they'll go right by you if you don't attack them and 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 you know address the block right in front of you. And there's 
the the Chiefs are going to you know bring five five to six man blitzes occasionally throughout this game. It'll be it'll be a big X factor whether or not Fournette and Jones are able to you know stop the extra guy because when Brady has a when Brady is under pressure when a guy is set loose when unblocked coming at Brady that's when he makes his worst throws that's when he makes his he just throws his ducks up there hoping that something good happens or he has to throw it away or he gets intentional grounding like that those are all bad situations that happen when Brady's under those those scenarios where the guys are you know running free at him Fournette and Jones are gonna be a huge x factor in the pass blocking game um Brady has been pressured on 17.8 percent of his dropbacks this season that's 28th in the league so he's been sitting pretty in the pocket this year the Chiefs blitz more than any other team the Bucks have faced this postseason though the the Chiefs blitz 35.7 percent of the time the Washington Redskins blitz 32.4, New Orleans 31.8, Green Bay was 24.7. So whether or not the Bucks the Bucks can stifle the the Chiefs pass rush is going to be a big a big X factor. Um the other the only other thing that I want to talk about in terms of unpredictability or X factors for this game, the weather. Cuz the weather is something this is an outdoor stadium, we're in Tampa Bay, and typically you would think, you know, Super Bowls are in warm weather states or they're in domes. You, you don't have to worry about this stuff. But the weather, it's going to be a little rainy, a little wet. During the day in Tampa Bay right Back now, I, yeah, I was looking at the forecast. There's thunderstorms in the morning. Um, there's a there's a chance of scattered thunderstorms in the afternoon. There's uh, winds 5 to five to 10 miles per hour, 60% chance of rain during the day. At night, so this game starts at 6.30 p.m., so we're looking more at a night forecast here. It's going to be cloudy with occasional showers possibly, 40% chance of rain, a low of 62, winds about 5 to 10 miles per hour. So, you know, nice weather, you'd hope. But, you know, if if the ball gets wet, if, you know, this field gets wet, if the field conditions get slippery, that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Maybe if if you see something in the first half where the field looks wet or the ball's, the ball's slippery, maybe you bang the under in the second half. Yeah, watch out for deflated balls too. I mean, it is Tom Brady after all. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Any uh, any thoughts with X factors for the game? I think it could be the ground game. Like you said, if there is a little bit of weather factor um, and we wanted to limit the Chiefs. Uh, and Ronald Jones was an effective running back. I think he could be an X factor. <laughs> The uh, the Bucks gave him almost as much work on the ground as Leonard Fournette, but he just wasn't simply as effective. He's coming off an injury, you know, and, and I think they were kind of uh, slow playing him back into the game and back into a rhythm. Uh, he's a guy who could possibly pick up some chunk yardage, you know, a guy who, who broke a 90-yard touchdown during the regular season, so big playability. You know, if, if we are talking about eating up some clock and trying to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands – Ronald Jones could be an impact player. Um, more likely, I think that if the Bucks win, it's going to be uh, because of a guy like Shaq Barrett or JPP getting kind mm-hmm. of like a sack fumble. Um, otherwise, I think the game line is going to be heavily in the Chiefs' favor. I have thought that way all year, uh, except for the fact that uh, I do have a small uh, bet on the Bucks uh, that I placed in the preseason with fifty-five to one odds. So. <laughs> I uh I, I think the Chiefs are gonna win hedge. and I, I I think I need to hedge just because I, I kind of want to put that bet in a box and say, you know, that was a bet I made at a time evaluating a couple of long shot teams. Now we're doing our analysis specifically on this matchup 
And I almost have to look at them as two completely separate entities. Now, obviously, I don't want to create a situation where I, I give myself negative value. So in that sense, I do want to make sure that they correlate. But <laughs> I think the Chiefs win this game, but I do have that bet. So I'm completely torn as well. Totally. Yeah, in so summation, I think the X factor is I'm going to lose all my money. I think that's the X factor. Yeah, I I hope not, buddy. For your sake, I mean, <laughs> it should be a good game at the very least. I mean, hopefully, if even if we lose some money, hopefully we at least see a good football game. But in summation, basically, what it comes down to is the matchups that we're going to be seeing in this game. So for me, just to target some of these matchups that we're going to see, I I wrote down some of the guys that are going to be facing up against their opposing you know, guys that are going to be trying to guarding or, or facing. Um, for me, Devin White and Levante David versus Travis Kelsey, whether or not they're able to, you know, keep him to another eight catch, 82 yard game. That's what you're going to, that's the, that's the best you're going to do against him. If you could keep him to something like that again, that's a good, that's going to be a great, a great accomplishment. Uh, Tyreek Hill versus Antoine Whitfield, Jordan Whitehead and Sean Murphy bunning. He burned this group of guys in the, in the first matchup. It can't be the case again. You can't let that happen again. Winfield, Whitehead, and Murphy Button are going to have their work cut out for them. I think then, it's time to grab the aloe vera because I think those guys are going to get burned again. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and then JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, and the Dominican Sioux versus Eric Fisher's backup. and or, or uh, I, I believe uh, the other guy is, is shifting over. Um, sorry, the name blanked my, my head for a second. Oh, uh, Remmers. So they'll be, you know, Remmers is moving to the left tackle. And I, I believe Martinez Rankin is going to get some playing time. He's the backup too for Eric Fisher as well. Um, we'll see if Pierre Paul and the Dominican Sioux are able to, you know, create pressure and the defensive line for the uh, Buccaneers. And then on the other side of the of the matchups, you got Tristan Wirfs, the the elite offensive uh, right tackle for the Buccaneers, the rookie facing off against Frank Clark, someone who you know he replaced Houston uh, for Kansas City's defense. You know, Houston had a rough. You know that experience with the offside Lining against up the offside. Patriots, yep. yeah. So Frank Clark was his, his replacement. He's in having a good season. Tristan Wirfs is going to have to, you know, shut him down. I think Clark is like third or fourth in tackles for the for the Chiefs this year. Uh, I think Wirfs Wirfs should have a, a good game against him. And then, like I said, the Buccaneers running backs against the pass rushers for Kansas City, all the blitzers, Damian William, Dam, uh, Damian Wilson, Tyron Matheo, like. Honey Badger, like these guys are going to be blitzing, trying to create pr- pressure on Brady, force him to make a bad throw. Fournette and Ronald Jones are going to have to step up and protect their guy. And then the Tampa Bay deep throws versus the uh, the secondary for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you got Daniel Sorensen and Tyler Matheo, strong safety and free safety for the Chiefs. Whether or not they're able to keep the Buccaneers from, you know, continuing their trend of 44 deep balls, I mean, plays over 25 yards this season, whether or not that trend continues is going to be up to those two guys. And then obviously you got the vague ones like Steve Spagnuolo versus Brady, like I said, and Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Bucks versus Patrick Mahomes. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the defensive scheme, uh, the defense's scheme against these quarterbacks to try to confuse them as much as possible. Because you're not going to, you know, confuse these guys too much. They're, you know, czars. They're, uh, they're geniuses, football gurus in their own rights. And you're not going to confuse them too much, but you got to do your best at, you know, making it difficult for them. I like the breakdown. All right, buddy. Let's uh, talk a little bit of some gambling, and then we'll get into some DFS. Um, I, dude, get, two of my favorite the, things. Let's go, the, the, <laughs> the pin, dude. The Super Bowl is the pinnacle of gambling. It's the biggest gambling event of the year. There's literally hundreds of things you could bet on for this single game. I think that there's more. 
I was hearing there's more things you could bet on for the Super Bowl this year or just in the last few years, I guess. But this year specifically, you were saying there's more things you could bet on this year than there were like 20 years ago for the entire season. For the entire year, you couldn't bet on more things than you what you could bet on now. It's literally you could bet on whether or not the guy wearing like the quarterback's wearing blue shoes or something like that. Like, if you could think it, you could bet it. And Shout out to the internet. <laughs> so, so many props. It's crazy how many different things you could bet on for this. But here are some props that caught my eye. You could mention what you think, um, what, what your thoughts are for some of these. So, the the team to score last in the game. And this was an interesting one for me because usually the team that scores last you think would win. And that's not always the case. I mean, I think that I was looking back at the Patriots games against um, in the Super Bowl, the Patriots Super Bowl games. They out of the games they won, there was only one game that the it was against the Eagles where they, they beat the Eagles. Donovan McNabb, uh, Terrell Owens, they beat the Eagles and the Eagles kicked the field goal. That was the last score of the game. Um, but other than that. Uh, Tom's teams have scored last in five of the nine Super Bowls he's played in. He'll look to make it six out of ten this game. The Bucks are even, and the Chiefs are minus one thirty as the favorites. The Chiefs are going to get the worst the the worst odds. For me, I thought it was a little bit of a value on the Bucks there. I mean, the, the Tom Brady being you know the guy the the greatest quarterback of all time that he is. Gronkowski being such a veteran, you know, these guys that are for the Buccaneers are elite. They're elite on offense and they, they deserve a little bit more respect in my opinion. I thought the Chiefs at even odds was a decent pick for me in this one. Um, the race to 30. So the t- uh, I think that there's got to be a team that scores 30 in this game. And the Bucs are uh, plus 250 to, to reach 31st. The Chiefs are plus 120. Neither is plus 180. Kind of like the value on both those two teams, the Bucs and the Chiefs. But I mean... Plus 250 for the Bucks seemed, seemed tantalizing just because if you're on the Bucks, I think it correlates to that because we talk about it, you know, if, if you're going to beat the Chiefs this year, I've constantly said you got to score 30 points or more. You got to. Yeah. And so if you're on the Bucks, if you could parlay it with that race of 30, Bucks 250, you'll get good odds on that. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. As you go through these props, try to correlate your picks together um, as yeah. much as you can so that, you know, if if one hits, multiple will hit. The, the thing that sucks with props too, though, it, well, it doesn't suck, but I mean, the, uh, the the thing that is difficult is some, only like the national, the national sites or like the big conglomerates like FanDuel and DraftKings, like those are the only ones that let you parlay these. Like a lot of sites, like you can't parlay props, which is such a bummer because like, I would love to, you know, throw together like like four or five props just at a, at a feeler, you know, just to try to see if I get some good odds on something. And that's not the case with, with unless you live in like Michigan or or uh, where the the legal states for gambling. There's like a, there's like six of them. Unless you live in one of those states, you can't really do it. So that's what's a bummer. Yeah, um, I use one of the offshore sites. I use Bovada, and they are getting more creative in terms of their product offering. So like. I hit on one last week that was pretty inventive. It was um, Mahomes and Josh Allen to have 600 plus combined pass yards, five plus combined touchdowns, so passing or rushing. And then Hill, Diggs, and Kelsey to have 150 plus combined receiving yards and two plus touchdowns. I almost felt like every single part of that parlay was a lock you know just to have Mahomes and Allen going against each other of course they're going to hit 600 yards and five touchdowns oh yeah Yeah. and then Hill Diggs and Kelsey 150 yards and two touchdowns Kelsey took care of that himself so yeah that was five to one odds in that hit and so uh, if you're looking at Bovada I, I those all were corollary 
types of picks, right? Which I'm, I'm thinking I, the over is going to hit. So I'm looking at comboing the top, the top um, quarterback with the top wide receivers, punching the yards, punching the touchdowns for all of those guys. And it, it boosts my odds incredibly. And I was able to find a situation where it made sense. And all of a sudden, $20 turns into $120. Hello. You know, nice. not bad. Cool. Nice. All right, buddy. So if you're uh, using Bovada, you know, definitely, definitely look at some of these props. I like They'll that. I got to give it a look. I got to give it a look. Um, some other props just to, to roll back into it. I got, I, I kind of like Fournette to score the first, the first Bucks TD. I like, I, uh, I think the rushing the rushing game is going to be crucial for Tampa Bay. I think they're going to the, these running backs Fournette and, and Ronald Jones are going to have to come up big for them. I think I, I have a hunch. I think Fournette might might score the first touchdown, or or I actually kind of like a long shot in Scotty Miller. I think I think Scotty Miller might be a guy to look to look his way as for a, a big catch or two this game. I like his opportunity as a long shot. He's like plus eleven fifty. So if you could if I mean if you could nail on one of these guys and and if you want to take a risk if you have the ability to just kind of throw some cash around to you know, try to hit a long shot. You could do worse than some of these. Um, I like Mahomes to score the first t- touchdown for the Chiefs. It's plus eleven fifty, so it'd have to be a rushing, a rushing touchdown. Um, even if like they get in close within like ten yards, that's when Mahomes is a real big threat to, you know, rush one in. Plus eleven fifty. I thought those were those were good odds on Fanduel. Um, longest touchdown. I like this one. Over 46 and a half. I think there's going to be a long, a long play in this one. Just the, the amount of explosive players in this game. I, I, there's I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for that yeah. bet to hit. And you're going to be in the game with that bet till the very end because the last play of the game could very well be a 45 yeah. yard touchdown, you know, 46 yeah. yards. So over 46 and a half, you're not going to get great odds on that. I think it's like minus 120 or minus 110 or so. So you're not going to get great odds. But I mean, I, 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 I just feel like I mean, it's a fun one to root for because you, you get to root for a big play. And that's always good or entertaining to watch. Patrick Mahomes, his longest completion, it kind of correlates with this idea of a big play is bound to happen. If you think that the Chiefs are going to be that team. You could say over 42 yards at minus 130. The under on that's even even odds. So if you think that the Chiefs are, if you're not high on them in this game, you could go on the under. But I'm leaning over on that one. Um, team to score first wins. And I want to say no. I I always want to say no on this prop where the team, whether or not the team that scores first wins. But you look at the last 10 Super Bowls, eight eight of the last 10 Super Bowls, the first team that scored won. Last year. The Niners, the Niners scored first, so that was one of the that was one of the oddities. Uh, I was just gonna say the Chiefs might be the team that usually breaks that cycle more than yeah. more than often. You know, looking throughout their entire season and just last week again, you know, they're not a team that typically scores first, but they're a team that typically wins. Yeah. So I, there I, might I be some value hunch. in the no. I have a hunch in, in the no in this one, you know, yep. but the stats say yes, and so that's where the smart money is going to be. But, you know, the, the, if you guess no, you're going to get like plus 135, plus 150, some decent odds there. And, and again, the Bucks are the home team, so we kind of expect them to score first more well-rested. They're going to be more comfortable, come out of the gates firing. Tom Brady mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, you know, I, I love the Bucks to score first, but I, I love the Chiefs to be able to, you know, return the punches pretty easily. Definitely. I, lo- I love to- the value there. That's a great one. Total punts. This was a lock for me. Six and a half is the line. You got to go under on that, right? I mean, come on. There's not going to be seven punts in this game. I thought, I thought mm-hmm. under six, to- six and a half was a lock for me in this in this prop. Um, a two-point conversion attempt. I'm going to go yes. Plus, one, plus 105 about. Plus 110. 
I think as I think there's a good chance for a two point conversion attempt, just the way that the game's playing nowadays. And if you think that the two point conversion attempt is a good one, you might as well just do successful two point conversion because the odds are going to be almost double. If you go a successful two point conversion, you, it's uh, plus two twenty for yes, no would be minus two seventy. Um, that's a fun one to root for. Will there be a lead change in the fourth quarter? This is a fun one for me. Yes is plus two twenty, no is minus two seventy. It's unlikely, but you know, it, it, if it happens, it's it's it, you it, know, it's a good one. It's one you want to root for too, because that means we're in, watching an awesome game. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it might be one just to uh, emotionally bet on, just just hoping for a good challenge. Definitely. All right, this is a, this is a a good game. This is a good bet for me. I I put some I sprinkled a little change on this one. Team to gain the most rushing yards. So who's gonna who's gonna have more rushing yards this year? I mean, this game and the Chiefs have on average more rushing yards per game on the season. But for me in this matchup, I'm taking the Bucks minus 105. Yeah. Chiefs are minus 125. So the Chiefs are favored in this in this pick. I think I'm locking the Bucks in this one because look, the Chiefs are 31st in rush DVOA on the year. 31st. They're very bad against the rush. They're good against the pass. They're not good against the rush. I'm gonna go and the Bucks are first in rush DVOA. Yeah, they're so first in rush got, D. Yep. You got teams and on then the offensive spectrum. line, they're doing a yep. complete shuffle. Eric yep. Fisher. Wait, so what? this was a lock for me. This was yeah. a lock for me. Bucks with the Great most rushing yards point. on the game. The reason that the Chiefs are the fa- are favored in this one is because the thought is they think that the Chiefs are going to get the, get a lead and then start running the ball. But that's not even what the Chiefs do. Even no. when they have leads, they still they still you know attack through the passing game. With I mean, if, if they're trying to manage a clock, they do like five to six yard passes or so. Right. Right. Get, absolutely. So. I like this one. Bucks to score uh, to have the most rushing yards. Last score of the game. What will it be? A touchdown or any anything else? So anything else would be a field goal or a safety. Um, I kind of like the opportunity for a field goal for the last score of the game. Plus one fifty. I mean, that's you sprinkle a little change on that. You a field goal is not unheard of as the last score of the game. Even like a, a last second field goal. And both these two teams are so great at the two minute drill. We, you know, operating late late with the, with little clock to go. Mahomes and Brady are masters at that. Those are two. Those are probably the two quarterbacks you pick for a two-minute right. drill with the and game on the line. One thing important to mention is both of their kickers are very solid. Harrison Butker and Ryan Suckup were extremely, extremely consistent all year long, especially in a season where a lot of guys were injured, a lot of guys missed a lot of field goals. Both of those guys definitely will um, be able to convert in high-pressure situations. So, you know, fourth quarter, you're thinking of oh, Super Bowl. A lot of missed kicks. Well, I think these guys can can uh, easily convert on that bet. Well, I didn't write this down, but uh, a missed field goal is actually good odds. You can get like plus 200 or so on them if you think there's going to be a missed field goal. Yeah, I, saw, I think part of that is those kickers are pretty accurate, right? Which is probably hurting yeah. the odds. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought was funny, just a side note, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and Cousin Sal was like, one of his favorite props to, to throw on this year, whether or not a ball is going to hit an upright. So not a crossbar, one of the uprights. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's got good odds on it. I think it was That's like plus like, plus like two something. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I think it's happened like three or three or four times this postseason. So mm-hmm. you had Justin Tucker hit two in one game, mm-hmm. um, but that was super windy. I wouldn't bet on that, but that, that was funny. Um, this this props a lock for me. Whether or not the Chiefs convert a fourth down, I you got to lock in the yes. I mean, it's minus one fifty, so you're not getting great value. But I mean, I I think that's a for sure thing. The Chiefs are definitely going to convert a, a fourth down for me. Uh, you can talk about the Bucks trying to convert a fourth down. I mean, I don't. The thing with the Bucks is I don't know how effective they are in fourth down. The Chiefs are an incredibly gifted fourth down team. Um, you, you, we've seen it throughout the postseason, especially. I mean, we we'll look at that Chad Henney play against the Browns. 
that was what anybody was talking about that one week after that game. Um, the Chiefs are, are got to be a lock for a fourth down conversion. The uh, another one, some player props here we're getting into here. Uh, Travis Kelsey eight and a half receptions is is the over under line. You know I, I lean under, and the reason I lean under is look Kelsey's only gone over on that reception total twice this year. So I mean everybody's optimistic about Kelsey's uh, opportunity for a big game this this game in the Super Bowl, but he, he's not. You know you could you could still catch eight passes and have an, an awesome game. He doesn't right. need. He doesn't eight, need eight for one thirty and two. Yeah. you know. So that's a high. That's a high line. I lean under on eight and a half. Um, Tyreek Hill seven receptions is the over is the over under line. I saw it at seven and a half, and I think I got bet down to seven because actually I lean under there as well. Tyreek Hill has not had many games set with seven catches or more. He actually does. You know, he, he's he's had a lot of games like with four or five catches, and he has a long a long play of like forty five plus yards. So he's he, he his biggest thing is if you want to bet on a big Tyreek Hill game, bet on the yardage or bet on the longest reception. Don't bet on the receptions here. Yeah, I think a lot of the sharps are going to be on the unders because people in general like rooting for overs. So yeah. Vegas sets the lines higher because they know that you know us suckers who love who love points and fireworks, we we're going to bet the bet the over no matter how high they set the line. So if you want to be a sharp better, it might make sense on a couple of these to pick your spots and and find where the under has some value. Yeah, I kind of like Nicole Harmon's opportunity to. Um beat his projections he's a his over under reception total was two and a half i like his opportunity to catch three passes i also like his opportunity to uh have a long reception of over 15 and a half yards i think miko Harmon could be a guy that you know if obviously the bucks are going to be trying to scheme defensively against uh tyree kill and travis kelsey i mean as best as you can i mean those guys are going to have good games regardless but they're going to be trying to focus a lot of attention on those guys maybe Mahomes looks Miko Harmon's way a couple times in the game, a few times in the game. I like his opportunity to beat those projections. Um, anytime scorer too with Harmon, he's plus two hundred or so, or plus two fifty almost. I like that opportunity as well. I think Harmon could be a decent guy to sprinkle a little long shot money on. Um, Byron Pringle, this is a lock for me. Byron Pringle for the Chiefs. Total receptions one and a half. Hammer the under. Look, Demarcus Robinson. As long as he plays, I know he's in the COVID protocol. He's been testing negative all week. Him and uh, Kilgore with the weird story about the barber. They were mid-haircut. Kilgore was mid-haircut. Barber tested positive. He's like, finish the cut. Um, Demarcus Robinson, though, as long as he plays, look, Byron Pringle's going to be the fifth receiver in this in this Kansas City wide receiver uh, tree. And Pringle's going to be in there for a, maybe five plays tops. He's not going to catch two passes. So hammer the under. Got, got a little money on Byron Pringle um, under one and a half receptions. This one is a good one for me too. Daryl Williams rush attempts seven and a half. Hammer the over. Last three games, thirteen carries, thirteen carries, ten carries in his last three. I, I, Daryl Williams has been a big part of what Kansas City has tried to do on the ground the last few games when they've been succeeding. I still don't know how healthy Ceh is. I like I like Daryl Williams for his opportunity to run the ball at least eight times in this game. Another one, Townsend, the Kansas City punter. Long punt under 52 and a half for me. It just this goes back to this thing. I don't think there's a chance that Townsend doesn't punt the ball once in this game. So if, that, if that's the case, I mean, I don't like his opportunity to punt the ball further than 52 and a half. But again, that's kind of a long shot play over on. You're not going to get great odds on that. So not that fun to bet on that one. Um, this one is a good one for me. Tyron Matteo 
solo and assist tackle. So combined tackles being involved in four and a half is the over under line. I, I'm, I'm looking the over on that one. I think Tyron Matteo is going to be in store for a big game. The guy is a great story, someone a, a great person that you root for has has been involved in and you know a lot of great things with his community. Someone that is just due for a, a big game in in a, in a in a performance like this. I mean, I know he won the Super Bowl again last year. He's looking for another one this year. Um, He's someone you want to root for. Four and a half, that's not a lot. He's he's averaged more than that this season. So Tyron Matteo has been heavily involved in the, the Chiefs defense the last few weeks. Been, bit, been uh, playing really well. I think he's going to have at least five tackles in this game. Another one, um, total bucks to have a rush attempt. The over-under point, over-under line on this is three and a half players. So the path to over on this is Jones and Fournette obviously are getting a carry. Maybe Brady gets a carry. And then it'll have to be like a wide receiver. So I'm picking the under on this. I, I don't think that you're going to see both Brady and a receiver get a carry. I think it's one or the other. I, I'm going under three and a half players to get a carry for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers running. Right. That's definitely more of the Chiefs thing to run, you know, the the wide receiver rushes as opposed yeah. to what the Bucs do. I, I don't remember don't many situations where, I, where I've seen that. Yeah, these guys don't run a lot of trick plays either. It's a lot of, you know, straightforward. It's, it's, I mean, it's not straightforward is the wrong word, but, you know, they're, they're not doing like flea flickers or like, you know, what they do, you, the, the, the thing with the pats where they used to throw the ball backwards to Edelman and he would throw mm-hmm. it forward. Or, they don't do a lot of that stuff with either of these two teams. So um, I definitely like this one under three, uh, I, three, or pe- three or less people to have carries for the Buccaneers. I like that one. This one. The only, the only worry that I have would be if Keyshawn Vaughn gets involved in the rushing attack. Cause then you, you just, you, if you throw Keyshawn Vaughn in there, then that's three right there. And then you can't afford another one. So that's the only worry I have. Um, Bucks first half rush touchdown. I like the, I like the yes. Plus plus one fifty in the first half. If they're going to score a rushing touchdown, you'd, you think it would be in the first half because that's going to be what their game plan you think is going to be. They're going to be trying to come out and, and establish the run, get it set a pace of play. And I like the yes, plus 150. No is minus 190. So, you know, not any value there. I, I think that the Bucks have an opportunity to, you know, run a Fournette or Ronald Jones to punch one. And maybe even Brady sneaks one in. So, the Bucks to convert a fourth down, like I mentioned before, uh, the yes is minus 140. The no is plus 115. I lean yes on that. But I think they're going to attempt a fourth down conversion. I don't know that they will get it. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. Because if, if, if the bet was whether or not the Bucks are going to attempt a fourth down conversion... You hammer that every day. Um, Bucks total sacks. This is a good one for me. Over one and a half. I, I'm hammering this one. I think that the Bucks are trying to are going to be trying to get a lot of pressure on on Mahomes. Mahomes hasn't had a lot of um, pressure get uh, sent his way during the playoffs. I think he has one sack throughout the playoffs so far. Uh, but the the issues with the offensive line, uh, Mahomes was sacked a decent amount during the regular season. And, and the, if he's going to try to extend plays with his legs, it just takes two sacks. I mean, you, you got a very talented uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, the, the second best defense that they faced all year. Like I said, I like the opportunity for at least two sacks for the Bucs, Steve. Yeah, I think that's uh, certainly going to be the game plan. A lot of pressure. So even if you wanted to tease it up one more and get better odds, I don't think it's a bad bet either. Definitely. Um, four net total uh, rushing and receiving yards. I like the over 75 and a half. I think Lenny, Lenny Forns, playoff Lenny is in store for playoff a decent Lenny, game. Lenny, dude, he's been killing it. Like, why not keep the streak going? He's on the field a ton, and he's clearly the pass catching back for this team. So even if they get down big, he's not going to get phased out because of the game script. Yeah. 
And then I, I like Evans uh, total receiving yards over 66 and a half. I think Evans is is physically the most talented receiver that the Buccaneers have. Um, and then he's a huge red zone target. So I would look either at um, both possibly the over receiving yards and anytime score for, for um, Mike Evans. I think he's going to be a guy that Brady looks to, especially in the red zone. I also like Chris Godwin over five and a half receptions. Uh, I think Godwin, like we talked about throughout the podcast, I think he's in store for a, a, a good game. I think Brady's going to have to look his way, especially on a lot of those small those small slant patterns, the flat routes. He's going to be looking his way for those. Yeah, I think he, he'll at least be heavily targeted. You know, the question is, does he actually make the catches? I think he does. Yeah. Um, Antonio Brown, I'm hammering the under on his reception total, three and a half. I, I don't know how he's healthy. You know, this thing with the knee seemed like it was a bigger issue. He missed last week. I mean, I know he got the two weeks rest coming off the conference championship, but I'm going to go under Antonio Brown, three and a half receptions. That's still, I mean, he could still catch three passes and have a decent game, maybe a touchdown. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he hasn't had, he hasn't, you know, had too many games over that total. So in the Super Bowl, we'll see how that plays out. I'd like the under. He's been the lowest volume wide receiver of the big three on that team. So it certainly wouldn't be surprised considering his, his current injury status if he were less involved than the other two. Yeah. I like Cameron B- Brait for over two and a half receptions. I think Brait's been the, the go-to guy for Brady um, in the in the middle the middle route trees for the Tampa Bay during the playoffs. He's been looking his way a lot during uh, during these postseason games. Cameron Brait's been having a good uh, good postseason, and I like his opportunity to catch at least three passes in this one. Yeah, then, I almost wish there was a bet between like you could take the tight just the tight end receptions for yeah combined um, Gronk and yeah and exactly Brady. for the Bucks because you know I think one of them has a good game. I'm not sure if they both do, but between yeah. between the tight end position, I think they're in for like seven or eight catches. For for me with Gronk, it's not about the receptions. I like the touchdown opportunity. Anytime mm-hmm. scorer for Gronk, he's like plus two plus uh two twenty five or so. I think Gronk catches a touchdown in this one. Mm-hmm. I heard uh. I think on, on the RJ Bell podcast, he, I think he had the hitman. He calls him. He's he's a, a Vegas sharp gambler, and uh, his one of his best bets is the Gronk anytime touchdown catch. He thinks Brady's going to look his way when he gets uncomfortable or when he needs like that clutch ta- the clutch uh, clutch catch a big play. He's going to look Gronk's way because he's just so comfortable with them. Uh, I, I like the I like the reasoning there too. Um, a Buccaneer guy that I really like for a big game as as long as you know. Th- they uh, continue the trend of this defensive effectiveness that they've been going through the last few weeks. Devin White, solo uh, and assisted tackles, combined tackles on the game. I like it to be over nine and a half. He's hit that over in his last three postseason games. He had 15 uh, tackles last week, 11 the week before, and 10 the week before that. He's been an absolute monster on the field for them, and especially with a lot of the guys banged up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense i think Devin white's gonna have to lead them to if they're gonna win this game he's gonna have to lead them to victory um scotty miller another guy i mentioned earlier someone an anytime score plus 225 i like his opportunity for a touchdown brady and mahomes anytime score so what whether or not you think brady or mahomes are going to score a rushing touchdown i mean brady is the, the, the king of, of those little one yard sneaks plus 350 those are good odds so Brady plus three fifty, Mahomes is plus one sixty. Anytime scores, um, Fournette. If you combine uh, Fournette anytime score with a Bucks win, it's about plus three fifty, plus three twenty five. I saw on a website I use, probably better on, on FanDuel or something. Um, I like that opportunity. I think that if the Bucks win, if you it could be correlated with a good game with Lenny Fournette. 
Um, some long shot MVPs for the game. You know, it, obviously the quarterbacks are most likely to win MVP. Um, but if you want to pick a non-quarterback MVP, I kind of like the opportunities for a, a defensive player for the Buccaneers to win yep. it. Uh, Devin White, J- Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaquille Barrett. Those guys are going to be... They're gonna That's have where to you're going to get big. the 50 or like 100 to 1 odds. That's where the value is if you're going to go non-quarterback. I, I tend to agree. I think either you take the quarterback on whatever team you think is going to win, or maybe you just take the team, frankly, depending on what whatever the odds are for MVP. But if you yeah. really want well, to bet the award and, and get the value, um, go go for a defensive player. I think, I think out of the last nine Super Bowls, like four of them have been – a non quarterback. So there is some opportunity, you know, even going back to when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, you know, you think of like a Von Miller type of game where the guy has a few mm-hmm. sacks and creates a couple fumbles. Uh, that's certainly how we are scripting a Bucks win. So if you yeah. think the Bucks win, there's a good chance it could be a defensive player uh, if it's not one of those classic Brady games. Yeah, I mean, and for the Chiefs, if if the Chiefs win, it's going to be Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, look, Damian Williams should have won MVP, in my opinion, last year. And if he didn't win it last year, Mahomes beat, beat him out for it. I don't know how anybody beats Mahomes in, for the right. MVP race. If, if the Chiefs win, Mahomes is going to have 350 yards and, two, and three touchdowns, and that's going to win him the MVP. So. Right. What What's the game script for another offensive player on the Chiefs to win Super Bowl MVP? It would have MVP. to be another Tyreek Hill game. It would have to be what he did in Week 12, like, 13 catches, 250 yards, and three touchdowns, something like that. Yeah, and even at that point, though, that probably means that Mahomes has 350 yards and four touchdowns touchdowns. and five touchdowns. touchdowns. So, yeah, he literally needs to have probably half of the passing touchdowns, and he probably needs to have like a 40-yard rushing touchdown for him to win. So I don't know if Travis Kelsey can get there because he doesn't have that rushing ability where he yeah, can get a touchdown for Tyreek Hill. without the Mahomes benefit. The key is can you get a score for a player without Mahomes benefiting from the score in order to hedge that MVP point? So I think if you are going to take an offensive player, go for Tyreek Hill over Travis Kelsey. Otherwise, you know, I think it's just Mahomes really on the Chiefs. Cool. Any thoughts on um, some other props for for this game? Yeah, I, I I went through the site and you know aside from the ones you have covered on here and that I chirped in on, there was one I really liked and, and it was just to have the most points scored in the second quarter. Um, so both of these teams throughout the season had most of their points scored in the second quarter um, out of each quarter. So in a situation like that where each team seems to play their best football in the second quarter, that should only lead to even more explosive second quarter scoring, you know, little tit for tat where I think, you know, in the Super Bowl, there's tends to be a lot of jitters in the first quarter, second quarter, we see a lot of scoring third quarter, the the pace of play typically slows down. And then the fourth quarter, we see a pickup in scoring again, just because, uh, you know, with the time limit being extended, uh, with timeouts and things of that nature and teams really trying to fill up uh, the score to come back. Uh, we could be the fourth quarter, but I think the second quarter is uh, where you're going to find the best odds. Yeah. The second quarter is the highest. It, it, well, the second quarter is going to be the worst odds, but you're probably right in the, it, it, you're still going to get positive value. I think it's like plus plus one fifty or so maybe up to like plus plus one seventy five. Um, I'm trying to look up what the highest scoring quarter was for their week 12 matchup. And I believe it was the second quarter. No, it was the first. It was the first. I mean, there was 17 points in the first quarter for Kansas City. Second was 10. Third was 10. Fourth was 14 for the Buccaneers. So, 
yeah, this the second quarter, you're right, is, is going to be a one that, to target, especially because I mean, you got an opportunity for like a last second field goal, maybe a late touchdown towards the end of the half. The two minute drill really starts to push teams along, and so that's when you look at this stat, which quarter is going to have the most points. Teams try to focus on the end of the second and the end of the fourth quarter. So those are your best bets, the second and the third and the fourth, because in the first or the third, if there's like one minute left or 30 seconds left, the teams don't care. They don't care how many time, how much time is left because they know that they're going to still have the ball when, when they go into the next quarter. So that's with the at the end of the second and the fourth quarter, they're pressing to try to get the ball, you know, into either field goal range mm-hmm. or to and into the end zone. Definitely, definitely. And that's when you're All also right. going to be more aggressive with things like onside kicks uh, in that nature because, you know, time is playing a factor. Definitely. All right, let's roll into some DFS for the week. Um DFS has played out a little bit strange for the Super Bowl. You got six guys you kind of just flex into your lineup. Some guys you think are going to be the best values. And uh, we have some similar takes here. Um, But Connor, before we got into our picks for this week, why don't you tell me about how we did last? Yeah, so last week was the last week of the regular tournament style play. We had the four teams and both you and I cashed once again. Uh, The score was 157.9 for me and 157.2 for you. So a big, big 0.7 point win for me right there. You know, I cashed in, took it to the bank. Uh, I think you beat your me, face right? in it, everything. Oh yeah, you, well, you beat me. No, no, you beat me in the uh, the, the season long like uh, tally between uh, best lineup of the week, right? Uh, it, it's very close. I beat you in terms of average score, but there were a lot of games where you just edged me out. So where my my um, average winning um, total was higher uh, in the games where I won, uh, the game you might actually have won more games on the season in the head to head. Um, but yeah, last week again, did really well, well over 50%. I think we're right around 70%, um, cash yeah. on the season, which is what you want to see, uh, this week, certainly going to be harder than most though, because like you said, different format, we only have two teams. So there's, it's the head to head style this time around where you have to pick a captain. The captain is 1.5 times the salary of their typical week and also 1.5 times the points. Um, so just a little bit of different strategy, uh, something that you and I are less attuned to. So, you know, don't hold us as accountable on this one. If we screw it up, look <laughs> at our 18 uh, or 20 game yeah, sample it, size before if that. our listeners, if our listeners listen to anything, uh, that we talk about on our podcast, it's the DFS. You gotta, you gotta listen to us on DFS. I mean, we did really well on the season. We, that was some of the, our best advice we had throughout the year and, We'll see how we do in the Super Bowl. Like you said, it's a little bit strange, and it seems like there's not a lot of room for creativity um, with this style mm-hmm. of lineup. Um, but we'll see how uh, we'll go through our selections, and we'll we'll see where we, where we match up and our thoughts here. Yeah, absolutely. For me, what it came down to was I want Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill in my lineup. And when there's only six spots, that's three guys. And obviously those three guys are going to be three of the most um, heavily utilized, but also three of the most expensive players. So it definitely put me in uh, a situation where I was very constricted um, so that I had to find some deep dive value plays and to fill out the rest of my roster. I was like, okay, well, Rob Gronkowski is only 3000. I think he is a great bet for a touchdown. Like we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, And then Ronald Jones, 
Jones, I made my captain just because he was so cheap. Um, coming into that captain position, he's only 3,300. He was given double-digit carries last week. I think he's able to be a lot more effective on the ground and has um, plenty of opportunity to score a touchdown. Kansas City's weaker on the ground than through the air. Um, and then to round out my lineup, I have Tom Brady. Uh, you know, quarterbacks are the safest bet typically in DFS and fantasy. So uh, to fill up my roster, I'm happy to get both quarterbacks and both experienced quarterbacks uh, in the Super Bowl on my roster. Yeah, having both quarterbacks is like a cheat code. Uh, <laughs> I went with uh, Leonard Fournette in my in my team captain spot, and I've talked about him a number of times on this podcast already. I think he's in store for a good game. He he ended up being eleven thousand seven hundred dollars, uh, being a pri- being priced at a one and a half times his normal price. Um, but he's he I just, I, I have a feeling he's going to score a touchdown in this game, and I think he's going to be able to hit that over on this on his uh, over yardage totals at seventy five and a half. I think Leonard Fournette's going to be a big part of uh, the offensive game plan for Tampa Bay. And like I said. A lot of the effectiveness for the Buccaneers, the first go around with the Chiefs was the running back catches out of the backfield. And I think Fournette's right. the better, you know, gonna be more involved in the passing passing game for the Buccaneers in this one too. Um I mean, and I've been rolling through with this strategy throughout the playoffs now is, you know, I'm trying to combat the guys that have Patrick Mahomes by having his top two pass weapons pass weapons because I don't have Mahomes in my lineup but I do have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill so if Mahomes has a good game it's likely also that T- Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill also have good games so I'm kind of combating you know that with, by having his two top guys uh, I have Kelsey for 11,000 and Tyreek Hill for 10,400 uh, I have Tom Brady for 10,000 I like his opportunity for you know Tom Brady's the, the top graded uh, player quarterback for pro football focus this season it's not Patrick Mahomes and Brady I mean is he's not he's not unfamiliar with Super Bowls this is his 10th Super Bowl yeah um, I heard they gave him um MVP runner-up to Aaron Rodgers oh did the they did. yeah okay the uh the other guys I have in my lineup Scotty Miller three thousand four hundred dollars and then Rob Gronkowski for three thousand some guys that I think could be decent values because Brady does like to kind of spread the ball around a little bit. Yeah, I think we did a good job finding the value plays. Both of us keyed in on similar types of players. We're going with that Tampa Bay running back in the top spot. And I think that's mostly just out of a value play uh, because I think, you know, we like Kelsey Hill or Mahomes better, but you throw 1.5 times their salary in that captain position. And it's almost impossible to fill out the rest of your roster. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I was trying to figure out who I would play on the Chiefs other than Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or Patrick Mahomes. And I I really don't think that I would consider another another receiver because you have no mm-hmm. idea who else. I mean, it's possible someone else catches a touchdown, but I, I, am, I am not going to play Sammy Watkins. I'm not going to play – I mean, DeMarcus Robinson hasn't practiced, hasn't practiced yeah. all week. Um, maybe Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a little bit healthier than you'd think. Maybe he he gets Get some a little passes more involved. if if the run game is completely stifled. The, only the short guy, pass game, yeah. The only guy I would consider besides those three is maybe Daryl Williams, and I talked about him earlier on the podcast. I like his yeah. opportunity to have more than more than seven and a half carries. So I, I think that Daryl Williams Michael might be Hardman too as as a True. I forgot as about a possible that long shot. McCall Harmon could be a decent long shot. He, as well. He's kind of like a Scotty Miller esque play where, you know, it's going to be low volume, but if he catches three or four passes, there's a good chance he could be up near 80 yards at a touchdown. So, you know, yeah. d- those two guys could be the option, but I think you're right. You know, outside of him as a long shot, you kind of want to stick to your, your main guys and your pillars. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, Connor. That's it for our DFS. That's it for our podcast for this week. Had a lot of fun going over this, man. This podcast got me amped for the game, dude. I'm so ready for this. I'm ready for this Super Bowl weekend. I just, I can't wait for this game. So much, yeah. so much fun. So many fun things to watch for this game. And what's kind of nice is when you have a Super Bowl like this is, I'm not a fan of either of these two teams. Like, I don't have any, like, super personal investment. I just want a good game. I want to see two mm-hmm. teams battle it out. I want to see I want to see knockout punch after knockout punch. I want to see guys go back and forth. I want to see fourth quarter lead exchanges. I want to see overtime. I want to see all of it, you know? So, let's see. I'm itching, man. Last game of the season, and I think we're in store for some fireworks. It was a great Super Bowl of Palooza, Propa Palooza episode, DFS finale. Like, I think we absolutely crushed it, man. And and this weekend's going to be fun. Either way, there's going to be some money to be won for us and our listeners. Definitely. And then everybody listening to our podcast throughout the year, really appreciate all the support we've gotten. We've, we've really grown as a podcast and then as, all, um, as, as, as a company, as all, uh, all things analysis starts to transition to, um, you know, being uh, more present on, on our online uh, website, allthingsanalysis.com. Yeah. We're working platform. on a lot of, a lot of great things. Garrett, our, our, you know, our statistical guru has been got, getting a lot of good work done on some NBA prop predictor stuff. He's been doing really well with that. Um, Connor has a, a podcast he's got in the works he's working on, uh, focused around finance, and we'll see how that goes. And, and looking forward to just a lot of the new opportunities we got here going at All Things Analysis. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning, Ben. And, you know, uh, for the first time, I think we're going to have this episode uh, available for everyone's viewership on YouTube, too. So, where typically Vicious Talk has been only a podcast available on podcast services. Uh, get ready, guys, because I think you're going to start seeing our faces, too. <laughs> oh, no. That's good. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Please uh, follow All Things Analysis on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're on YouTube, like Connor mentioned as well. Also, please subscribe, rate, review Vicious Talk with Benny P on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One. Um, you give us a review on our YouTube page as well. Really appreciate all the support. Like we said, uh, it's been a, a really fun season. Really looking forward to this the the night the the cap the uh, the cherry on the top of the Sunday of what's been really what could have been a much worse and much more difficult NFL year. Just kudos to the league and to the players for being able to accomplish this whole thing. Um, really hoping to just finish the year out on a strong note. Hopefully that some of our analysis and handicapping that we had throughout this podcast, uh, you know, resonates with our listeners and, and we're able to, you know, do well with some of the some of the predictions that we have. Absolutely. All right, Connor. Thanks so much, Ben, for having me on, man. All right, buddy. Let me leave everybody out with uh, one last question. Let me ask you, are you vicious?